Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 30th of August 2020. And as always, I hope you're hanging in there and uh, (laughs) getting through these insane times because we're living through the, the biggest exercise, really, in mind control and warfare. It's all warfare. It's mental warfare in the whole population of the planet. And psyops, etc. And revolutions, all sponsored often and traced back to the same few people. It's quite astonishing, isn't it? That regardless of the COVID idea and the Bill Gates Foundation, the London Gates Foundation, and Fauci and all these characters and the head of the WHO, uh, you can tie them all together, can't you? And you see all the, the funding from the same old big corporations going to, to BLM, which again is Marxist, as we know. Uh, a beautiful cover, though. Remember, communism always hides behind covers. It uses excuses. It always did. There were dozens and dozens of them in the 1960s that were Christian. And the Christian groups and churches had no idea they were getting used but they were, they were great covers because they would promote policies which the Marxists wanted to, to be put into, to weaken America, actually. And that's what you always find. Behind the covers, there's an, a weakening of the state. And, yeah, you can always <laughs> complain about the state as much as you want. The state of affairs isn't that great, is it? But uh, the reality, too, is that there, there are other players that simply want to end up in the ruling seats and displace the, the, the present rulers of it all. That's really what it is, or or really to to maximise their power, their existing power, and take over their remaining seats in politics and governance and so on. And you have to understand that, that uh, you're living through amazing times, that nothing's happening by chance. You've got the Pentagon obviously in on the same act, with different generals standing by. They're all in the payroll of the military-industrial complex, which will still be working for a long time under the auspices of the United Nations and NATO uh, organization uh, as they, again, go through this game of divvying up the world into competing factions of apparent conflict. You know, That's how the Cold War was, really. There were more billionaires created during the Cold War than ever before, maybe even afterwards, because all governments and all sides took tax money and put billions and billions, without question, into defending the people by creating more and more missiles, etc., and jets and, and military equipment. Like, way overpriced, I know, it doesn't matter what they made, it was always way overpriced, but no questions were asked. Like the COVID idea, it's to keep you safe. Right? So, it's you know, it's a wartime scenario, you see. And, of course, COVID is, is, has all the attributes of a wartime scenario. Of course it does. More than you think, actually. Because there are signs and symptoms to techniques of controlling the public through fear uh, and wartime for compliance reasons. And we've had all the exercises exposed from Event 201 and long before that, too, with uh, the, the Rockefeller lockstep idea as well. And and again, many other organizations, that are maybe, some of them I'll mention tonight, that the Gavi and Bill Gates group still control as well. There are so many organizations, you see, all telling you the same stories. So important. 
to control all the media and, uh, and, and the flow of information. You think you've got lots of competing organizations giving their... No, you're, they're giving the same opinions, all the media, the official media, because they're all owned by a small quarter of your people. Going way back, I mentioned that years ago in talks, when Rockefeller and others, the Rockefeller especially, got a group of his, his, his uh, <laughs> hijackers, you know, to get... Because they hijacked other companies all the time to, to basically take them over. And, uh, and stop competition. Ro- old man Rockefeller said that competition is a sin. And he meant it. There's an organization running the world that, b- that truly believes they have the right to own everything in it, the technocratic type, and to rule everybody under it, basically. That hasn't changed. It's, it's more than ever enforced today. You can actually see some of the, the, the front people coming forward, maybe lower edges of them, but it's still the same organization. And the idea was to take over the world's resources. Everything that you need to exist as an individual human being, and then collectively, uh, is owned by uh, people you don't even know, generally. They make all the policies, how much food you're going to be able to buy, or even get, or even if you can get it, or even if you can buy it. And it's all coming to pass right now, because this is to be your winter of discontent is coming up. Because it'll either make or break this big agenda for the World Economic Forum, for its global reset, you know, of the economy, of your way of living, on the value, actual value, and, and the, basically the uh, almost like an examination paper with tick marks. You'll all get checked off on a, on a checklist of things that, that to, to, they'll give you extra help if you need it, if you're ill or whatever it happens to be according to your status or importance or necessity to their society. That's how it's going to get put out, actually. It's already in force. And that's why they're killing a lot of elderly people in the hospitals. It was in force before COVID came along, when they introduced euthanasia. Everything's economics, you see, and the value to their system. Even though you paid for it, it doesn't make any difference. They're, they're thieves that run the world. And they have all the signs and symptoms of gangs. And that's a fact. There are other people who have come out with this, too that you have all the signs and symptoms of organized crime, big, big organized crime at the very top. And the relationship, as I've mentioned before, between Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation, and the, I guess, don't forget to Fauci and his wife, and, uh, and his wife, too, is a bioethicist working with the government to, to again, evaluate the, everybody's status in society and your value to the system. system. And that's, that's what bioethics is all about, folks. That's what it's about. So you're living through the big scientific takeover of society for the planet. They've always been after this global society. And um, going way back into the 1800s, folk have no idea that the British Empire, this oddball thing, the British Empire, was run by a secretive group in the city of London, Lord Alfred Milner. He, he published books himself about it. And he, and again, some of the people who took over much later, like Carl Quigley, who was a historian for them, uh, praised them to the highest heavens for, for taking over the world and trying to get a world governmental system in place. Uh, again, with this, this, he didn't mention technocratic system, but that's what it was. Quigley knew it was, because he believed that the right, again, to go out to the world's resources even then, and he was all for their agenda. And Britain was used 
really. The people who get used, generations can pass. They haven't got a clue they're being used. You understand that? They just think, well, we're off to another war with so-and-so today, and, and it might last for a few years. And after it's over, you don't realize, no, uh, maybe, maybe two dozen people have corporations in London that end up ransacking that country by taking resources out of it, and your troops are guarding it all for them. Even the troops don't really know what they're there for, except they're, they're bringing civilization, they think, to these people. <laughs> it's quite amazing to watch it happen. Because it's still happening today. Huh? Often the countries that were dominated are coming back to the parent countries, <laughs> like Britain, and dictating to them now. Because often, in some ways, they become uh, wealthier themselves, the people that were left behind. And now they're dictating their policies too, for a global system again. Because everyone, from every nation at the top, is part of this big structure. They know what's going on. Of course they know what's going on. And uh, but Qu- Quigley was awfully good about telling you that the top people in every party pretty well crossed the whole Western world. doesn't matter what the party was. Top people are always a member of the same organization. They're vetted way in advance. And they play the game of left and right, etc. And then when you have their books, their members' books, which they, which they published at one time when they had annual meetings. You, you see all the names at the back. Even the heads of communist parties for countries like in Britain were in attendance to their global meetings. And Ireland too, eh? Uh, a lot of their members were, were there too. So, the folk, and, and the top bankers that run these nations were, were also in attendance, see, the, for the future of the British Empire, funded by Rockefeller, and, of course, all the, the, the old Milner groups uh, guys were there that had taken over, and their descendants, because they hand them off to their offspring. And, uh, and here we are down to the present day. Folks still can't catch, can't, because can't, it's never mentioned, so you can't catch on, you see. It's, it's not mentioned very much at all. In fact, the history given by the BBC is such a, oh, well, Orwell said it, eh? who controls the past, etc., and the future and all the rest of it has all been said before. And, and it's so true. It's so incredibly true. Uh, and then again, you, you, have the, you have this wonderful, and it's wonderful from the, from the elite's point of view, we are running the world through creating factions and divisions. Eh? And uh, lots, I mean, Britain sunk basically with mass migration. So is Germany to an extent too all from these wars in the Middle East and across Northern Africa for, for years and years. And, and, um, and they haven't finished yet. We know that they, there'll be even more, so that'll be the complete end of it, when more, uh, again, military-age guys will rush through by the millions into Europe uh, when they do away with the last few countries left, like Syria. They won't give up with Syria and Iran because it's not our wars. It's for another reason, as we all know. And, by the way, that is another reason as well that a lot of folk are protesting and really upset and ticked off because these endless wars um, that people haven't fathomed, they can't fathom out why they're even going on. I mean, the wealth of America, of, I'm talking about the average citizen, <laughs> has been squandered in 30 years of, straight years of, of war. People forget that. It didn't start with 9-11. They already had Desert Storm in 1991, 
and and then had the flyovers and all the military around um, Iraq for years. That was a fortune right there. And then they hit it again in 2003, using it as an excuse, of course, 9-11 as an excuse, even though Saddam had nothing to do with it. It was all on the list of the PNAC group. We all know that stuff. It's all published. You can find it up there, yeah, I'm sure, on the net. So you're, you're living through an, a big agenda. I mentioned it so many times. You're living through a script. It's a big business plan, exactly as a, how a big business plan runs. In, in business plans, and that's a striking thing with United Nations and the communist organizations before the United Nations, they all have these five-year plans for one part and 10 years for another and 50-year plans for and even 100-year plans for other parts of it. That's how it's run. And that's how the big multinational, international corporations run too. Huge agendas going way off into the future where maybe they'll hire and retire three times, three generations sometimes. You know. All planned that way. How do we make it happen? And then have their foundations, which are so important to all of this, the tax-free foundations that manage the world, you know. These are the ones who, who create and finance and train leaders for future warfare, including the NGOs that, that, uh, and, and, the tra- and the ones who train the Antifa groups, etc. They're all from the, the big foundations owned by the richest folk on the planet. This is not conspiracy stuff. Uh, read the foundations, their power and influence, written years ago, all to do with the with uh, Norman Dodd's investigation into it and, uh, and the Rees Committee, how they, they looked into the, the foundations in America back in the 50s and 60s. I wondered why they were funding the top foundation, like the Ford Carnegie and, and uh, the Ford Foundation, but that time was already taken over by other foundations that are awfully well known. Uh, and that they were funding groups to destroy America and radically change it and so on. It made no sense to the people. So this had a, they had sent a, a congressional committee out there to investigate it, and they were shocked by what they found. They were, uh, the, the, the head of the Ford Foundation at that time admitted, and you, you actually get old audios or videos of Norman Dodd talking about this, you know. And he said, he said he, asked, he asked them why they were funding these groups, and the head of the Ford Foundation in America said that we're working hard to, to create a system, an alteration of cultures and education, so we can seamlessly blend that of the Soviet Union with America down the road. They could blend it all together. Yeah. Most folk haven't got a clue today about all that. It's just amazing, but it's all published. It's in their books, written by the guys who are involved in it. And that's what I'm often said, too. You can stuff your head full of all the data you want, but um, it's not enough, obviously, to change the present, which is the way you change the future. You've got to understand more. It's more than just learning who did what. You've you got to find out why. You also have to look into all the whys, how people went along with things, and why they went along with things and accepted conditions and systems that they shouldn't have. Again, too, how can you possibly even live under a system and accept at the same time that most of the, the agencies above you and government are secret and run secretively 
on plans and agendas you, you're not given even access to. You might down the road uh, have laws implemented by them upon you. Uh, but you know you're not even brought into the to the debate about things to setting up right now. Who decides the future of a nation? Hmm? Think about it. Do you get to um, fill out questionnaires about what you want to see in the future of a nation? Do you? For voting? You're just given that the front people to vote for, aren't you? It doesn't matter what party is in, the same agenda goes ahead. Look at the free trade deals. Generations went by for free trade deals pretty well. And then the, the ones in the 90s to do with North, the North American free trade. First it was a free trade agreement, the North American free trade agreement. And then you had the free amigos, uh, two prime ministers and a president, uh, Mexico, Canada, the States, uh, meeting every year to further tie us into a, a, and a binding, that's what they called a binding system, bound together, which would be the nucleus of, of a, an EU-type authority, a European parliamentary authority down the road. That's what they hoped for. And then they would start bringing more Latin American countries in, and the Caribbean countries too, naturally. All discussed and printed and the rest of it. But... Um, it was done, it was admitted to, that the whole thing was drafted up and worked upon for years by the Council on Foreign Relations, a group that's private, a private group that often claims itself to be the establishment. One of his videos it put out itself talked about this, itself as the establishment. And you don't vote for them. Most folk don't even know what they are or that they exist. You're given these front comedians of politicians to, to look at and boo and throw tomatoes at, you know. And uh, and that's what you're given for politics. Have you ever heard any real wisdom come out of the mouths of politicians? Come on. Come on. You watch this Punch and Judy show. That's what it's called, Punch and Judy show. Like they used to have at fairs in the Middle Ages and all up to, up to the 20th century uh, where people would have these puppets bashing each other with clubs and so on. That's what politicians are. They're there to take the heat but not to ever to tell you what's really going on. The key to all of this, of course, is that think tanks, privately owned think tanks, have run the world for an awful long time. And they still do. The, we, we know, the, as I say, the, the top politicians are picked long before the public even hear their names to vote for. And they're vetted, and they'll do what they're told, there's no doubt about it. And um, and all parties are in on it at the top. That's why when nothing really changes for the better for the general population, it gets worse and worse. And I can remember looking at the old, old books I found about Canada as an example, and I've seen the same for Britain, but you have the, the, the Departments of Information and Statistics and owned by the government pretty well. And, and everyone's measured and, and weighed and yada yada and numbered long, long before we came along, our generation. And I've got ones going back to the early 1900s and right down to how many matchsticks were made by companies and things like that. Just incredible data they had in us all. Before they had computers, uh, at least we're told it anyway. <laughs> but anyway, it, it is quite fascinating to see how these massive books with uh, the, the years of production and, and costs and all the rest of it, and every little company in the country listed. But back in the, the, the early 20th century in Canada, 
Britain at that time, or London, the Renault. I think seeing Britain as like a, a this strange entity. What the heck is Britain really? It's got millions of people, all kinds of people living in it. And before the mass migration, there were still lots of different kinds living in it. Uh, the Yorkshire folk were, had their own identity and culture, and it was, and uh, in different parts of the country was similar. Had been for centuries that kind of thing. But you're, but when it comes to official purposes, you see, in taxation and things like that, then they don't want you all to be one part of Britain or for war. Would send you off to fight for things you have, you have no idea that it's really all about. You never get told the truth. And, uh, and when you come back from these wars, the, the ordinary folk have either lost their jobs or work or their farms or whatever, and nothing's ever the same again. Uh, and then you've got another one. It's the same kind of thing over and over. And at, bet- in between that, you're global. I remember back in the 90s talking about this. I said, eventually, you know, well, because they kept talking about globalists and global that and how it was the greatest thing under, since sliced bread. And we'd all be happy under globalism and all the companies were putting this rah-rah thing, the governments were putting rah-rah and hands across the sea, etc. And they came out with their real plans, which was international free trade for the big top corporations. Uh, so they could really send their stuff all over the planet from all countries and have the citizens back home in the first world countries paying for it all. Do you ever wonder why you can order things from China for peanuts for cheaper uh, than, you, than you could even post a letter in your own country to your neighbor? You're paying for it, that's why. That's called free trade. It's part of the deal. And it isn't just China you're paying for their postage to you. <laughs> it's a quite a few countries too. We can look up the lists of the nations, including some in the Middle East, by the way. Uh, you're paying uh, the, the, big, um, the, the bulk of their postage on whatever's getting transferred around the world. Free trade. Great deal for the corporations, isn't it? And you pay for all. And at the same time, you end up with no work back home because your own governments, again, all kinds, right-wing and left-wing and succession, all signed on to integrate it further and further as they get in. Uh, and, and then you end up with no work back home, no factories, no ability to produce anything. You don't even have the ability to eat, make your own uh, basic painkillers or acetaminophen, the very simple medication, because even that's farmed out to other countries. First it was farmed out to China under free trade. That's why it was so cheap for a long time. And then uh, last year, the year before, they gave the contract under the, the new Trans-Pacific Partnership, which they included India for some reason, and, and, and then it moved it, their, their base of operations to India, and it's way more expensive now. But in, at home, oh, nothing's made here. Eh? There you go. And you can't even make anything to, to save yourself if you need. This is the thing. <laughs> I, I keep thinking back to Britain in World War One and then two. And, and Britain was locked down in World War One because of the Germany then and Britain as well had submarines, and submarines could play havoc with with shipping that was bringing in food and supplies and all. But especially in World War Two, there's far more subs around. And uh, and Britain had already given up its ability to be to, to be self-sustaining by farming. Uh, I've always thought that's an odd thing. That I mean, food is one of the most basic things you need. Without it, you, everything else is a pipe dream. Just everything starts with food, folks. Hmm? Food and water, and and why would your nations literally make you helpless? Well, once again, it was the big corporations that dealt with the shipping lines. 
we've had memory leaders in Canada that, that whose whose parents were involved in this too. That their own shipping line companies for transferring food to other countries, etc. And often when they're combined with interest in agriculture, like agri, agri-food businesses, they, they decide what countries are going to get the cheap food and who's not going to eat. And even try to, and even lobby at home to put laws to stop you even making enough food at home for yourself. This is all rigged, you see. There's no such thing as a, a free enterprise system. It's just the opposite. And, and it's not new. I say Britain almost sunk in World War Two because it, it, it couldn't produce food for itself. It was completely, almost completely dependent for a long time on food coming in from, from the U.S. And a lot of that ship eventually was in trouble after 1942 as well. And, uh, and they had all, you can actually look up the old videos on wartime farms, for instance. And you, and you see what they had to do, go through, and the government just expands. Oh, they love it during war. They expand socialistic technique, systems and principles, and, and, and government departments just blossom and, and, and swell like cancers, like you wouldn't believe. And that's why they love socialism. Because anything you do, you're told, because it's all for the, for the good of all. You're all in it together, etc. And, um, and you all pull, pull along together and do what you're told for the good of everybody else, for the for the greater good. Never changes, eh? And during World War Two, the government in Britain stole farms all over the place off of people. Because here's the tragedy of, of things. Great Britain, eh? Let's be proud of Great Britain, eh? It had been so many wars all through the 1800s. The country, the, the, the people were broke with taxes. And, and really, even then, they're, all, they're kept in a starvation level, most of the people. Not, not, not the middle class and upper class, of course. But they were. Uh, they they gone through the Industrial Revolution in the 1700s and 80s. So bad it was that even Benjamin Franklin, this is the truth here, in his own memoirs, talked about when he visited Britain. And he saw these factory workers coming out of, of a, a big shoe factory and boot factory, barefoot in the winter, because they couldn't afford to buy the boots themselves. This was this was reality, folks, you know. There was no welfare system. Folk had to work often 16 hours a, a day just to eat <laughs> and get maybe get a place over their head, which was a hovel. Often there was 10, 12 or more to a room. It's a horror show. But again, the, the wonders of propaganda and so on can displace all that and, 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 and really tuck it away into the background until, you, until it's a hazy thing and it's forgotten altogether. That's how it works. And then you end up in the 20th century and, and they already just had the Boer War, you know, uh, getting really ideas. We're taking over Africa and South Africa and so on. Again, by the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner, the, for the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that private group that was just called the Milner Group in the kindergarten at the time. And they, they picked youngsters up in university in Oxford, all souls, and, and they trained them. They trained them to be governors of different countries that they would take over. And they list all their names, of course, if you went to their histories, long, long histories. But anyway, that's how it was done. And the people end up in these wars, world wars. They needed, by the way, the Milner Group wanted world wars. They mentioned that. 
because then they could they could then further amalgamate uh, countries, even competing and conflicting in wartime, warring countries together at the end of it, when everybody's on their knees. That's how you got the League of Nations idea coming in, you see. So it's, uh, yeah, the past is a horror show. So anyway, World War II comes along, and Britain had lost so many farmers. And, like, you talk about dads and, and sons often, and uncles, all wiped out in some areas. The lot of them. They would join local regiments, boom, gone. Same in Canada and elsewhere in Australia. Gone, uh, New Zealand. And so it left a lot of them just struggling with farms between in the 20 years between, you know, from the end of World War One and the beginnings of World War Two in 1939. And um, so the government, if they couldn't, they ordered you to produce. And if you couldn't produce enough because you didn't have enough manpower or people running the farm or whatever, or maybe it was an old dad left, all the sons were dead from the previous war, uh, the government just grabbed them and stole them. And, and then they, they amalgamated a whole bunch of them, you see, here, there, and everywhere, and they would give it to these rich characters, who still own them today, by the way, you know. And, and then, then of course, they've got volunteers and land armies. It's even better, isn't it? It smacks the same kind of... Th- you get little smackings or smatterings of the same system down to the present time. Because then you had land army volunteers and, and all these folk coming in for the war effort who, who were free labor for you. Hmm? And the, every, every square inch of, of workable land had to be plowed the whole thing and used for the war effort. We're all in it together once more, you see. And you could get vegetables, but you couldn't get much meat at all for the general population. Winston Churchill hadn't a problem. He, they had parties for Winston. He talked about it. His, his secretary talked about it. If you ever bother reading the books on it, his personal secretary wrote about it and how they had these huge parties in certain parts of London, underground bunkers, huge, like palaces, really. In fact, some of them were under palaces, and other ones were outside London. And they ate had everything they could imagine of eating and, and food and, and uh, uh, elegant wines, etc., champagne, the whole lot, all through the war. But they're ordinary people. Uh, like being good people, mind you, put up with it and the rationing, starvation-level rationing, until you, there was no there was no obese people before World War Two pretty well in Britain because they had been through a Great Depression in between two world wars and then and both wars had rationing. It's just astonishing what you put up with, and the folk who go off and fight have no idea. They wouldn't even know who Lord Alfred Milner was. He said, you may get his name in a newspaper once in a while as one of his proteges was sent over to govern South Africa or something like that, you know. Or India, but they had no idea of this big. This even Winston Churchill had an argument as, as recorded in, in Parliament in Britain, because at the beginnings of the war, he had no idea what the, that these characters have been manipulating the, the system to get Britain. He was also getting manipulated by another group to get into the war. By the way, an outside group. But the same token, he was ticked off when he found out that. But this other group that was. They had other plans for the, the the Great War, this this World War Two, you know, and his mission and what they'd wanted to accomplish, and, and he argued about it because at that time it was a very secretive group, you know, different names it had at the time. The All Souls Group was one of them as well. It was so secretive, like layers of it, that in an inner party and an outer party, you know, 
just like the CFR still has today for, for, their, for their missions abroad, so to speak. Yeah, the folk in Britain fought those wars, all truly believing they were doing the best of all to save everybody and doing it, you know, having a clue what was to come at the end of it, having a clue the Winston Churchill, and I put up the articles years ago. You should go into cutting through the matrix dot com and, and look at some of them. Lots of them, lots of the authors use my, my material. So stacks of it there. But uh, Winston Churchill uh, literally talks about all, all of this too, as I say. And his his desire, he said, "This is wonderful." When the, the war broke, he says, "We might, we we'll, we'll, we shall probably, and hopefully," he says, "establish a." Long dream of united Europe. I mean, meanwhile, he's telling folk on the radio at nights, you go off and fight and die to save your culture, your way of life. <laughs> meanwhile, he's talking, uh, and, he, and his sector recorded all these things. Eh? Our united Europe. Oh, no, died. And be, uh, the, the, now, if you told that to the, to the British folk at that time, they, they, they'd been completely bewildered. What was he talking about, United Europe? We're fighting to, to keep our, our own way of life. We're quite happy with it the way it is, you know. It's never perfect, and it's pretty bad for a lot of people, but it's better than a lot of folk had even in Europe at that time. And every culture likes its own culture to an extent, don't you? Because it's familiar to you, <laughs> if nothing else. But it's also part of it, and I, I mean it's across the world you meet people who will fight and die for their nations or, or the plot of land that they live on. It's a natural thing. You feel tied to the land. It's in the soil. It's in the genes almost. And you have that, 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 that bonding to it. I remember reading a, a, a poem by a Scots guy that uh, they wrote about the 1930s and 40s, maybe into the 50s. A miner, and and he he talked about having to leave because it was Scotland, like 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 parts of England too, and Wales, uh, because this corrupt system that always ran you was often it couldn't afford to. He said in his poem, a country like Scotland, it couldn't afford to feed his children, you know, so he had to move. But meanwhile, you had the richest folk concentrated in London. The richest folk in the world at that time concentrated in parts of London, especially the city of London. And of course, the, the migration helped, you see, to expand the empire. Hmm? So we're all used and abused, and most folk haven't got a clue it's even happening at the time. Instead, they're given what they've got in the States at the moment. They've got the front groups. Uh, the BLM groups, with, with the, the heads of them, it's no mystery, it's not conspiracy theory, they admit, and they're out there admitting, there's even a video of them admitting that they're trained Marxist organisers who know exactly what they're doing, where Marxism always has front groups and gets them all battling with other groups. And then you have the Antifa groups, there's no mystery there, there's a good, quite a good history of them, long history, and then the reorganization of them back again in the 90s, because they used them, they used to send them in to the anti-global meetings that were going on. The anti-globalist meetings were awfully good at the time, and, and folk came across from the countries to, to protest these, these meetings, where they were again planning offshore all your, your work and your factories off to China and, and the Far East. But then would come the Antifa group and, and jump in on the bandwagon and start throwing their usual Molotov cocktails at police cars, etc., and give everybody else a bad name, you see. 
and actually say it in their handbooks, you see, that they piggyback upon uh, uh, certain events that are, cause, um, that, that are plausible that, that, and are emotional events. Jump on top of them, end up being the champions, but then zero off into your revolution. This is how they do it, you see. Well-funded, too. But once folks' emotions get up, they seldom think very clearly. It's, it's very interesting to watch the phenomenon. I've mentioned it before, that uh, the tremendous, the terrible things that happened in Rwanda, with the genocide in Rwanda, they had the, the eventual completely, complete unleashing of many years of utter hatred against this other tribe that uh, that had skirmishes with over 100 or 200 years even and the hatred had boiled up and boiled up and it was really institutional and they let loose and literally the chopping up of people went on for weeks you can actually hear it on the audios from uh, people who were there at the time with cameras you know from reporters from abroad you could actually hear it uh, you know, <laughs> it was it was terrible and that's what happens when when clever folk can utilize the hatred and stir it up and actually augment it, really thicken it, you might say, intensify, and then they use it for different purposes. Big coffee plantation growers were involved in this too, outside the country, because uh, there's always other reasons for what you see in the news, always, and always other interests behind anything to do with skirmishes or wars. There's always economic interests uh, lying deep, deep below on behalf of those who understand resources and how to use them and who want them. No wonder. Reporters were on the roads. It's like art. It, it actually, I always think of these, whenever you see roads full of people, you think the number of refugees is one. Like I always think of refugees in carts in Europe and so on, the beginning of, or even during World War One and then World War Two. But then you get the other refugees that, that really are promoted to come into countries now. These are like, like the massive invasion across Europe. That was all. That took billions of dollars to work all that, that out and to finance and even train them. Some of them coming in were telling you that they'd all been trained in advance for purposes of taking down European countries. And we know some of the folk who were behind it because they even put videos out themselves about it in some of these countries. Unashamedly, yeah. And then down the road you use them, eh? To take down the nations. Just standard warfare technique. Migration has always been used for this kind of purpose. Migration is, was used in ancient times. You have biblical episodes of it. And, and pre-biblical too. Because not everything happens in the Bible, obviously. But you, you had different uh, groups that would remove people out of, of where they lived and transfer them to other nations in order to, to destabilize their power and, and, and dethrone um, them from their, over their own people so that the people could be used by the conquering people coming in, you see. Uh, so there's different ways you can use uh, migration, mass migration by law. The Soviet era was awfully interesting, I always think, because the Soviet era used very, very old techniques, very, very old techniques. Uh, you, get, you get wisps of it through your lifetime. This is why it's important to try to always remember as much as you can per day as you're living through things, you know? 
Because it, it, real history is inside you. you. You live it. Forget the books that are written later that, that will change it all. And so, you're living in history. And you must use your own perception. Don't be given it by someone else. You know? Anything that, that you're offered, investigate it completely to make up your own mind. But the, the Soviet system, it's just like the Norman system, sent troops in, of course, to, to different countries like Latvia. You had Latvia. You've got articles coming out you know, years later in Latvia after the so-called Soviet system collapsed, which it didn't really collapse as such, you know, not the way it's presented. But yeah, you had Latvia and you had Ukraine, you had different countries where the Soviets uh, had tremendous influence in the Soviet pack countries, and they had troops in, into many of these countries, training them and so on, and, and it stayed them with, with full-time barracks, much the same as the U.S. does t- today, across the Middle East and, and even Beirut at one time and so on. But the Soviets were given extra money if they would marry uh, local women. The idea to, to breed themselves in to society, which would help dilute the cultural uh, homogeneity of the people. It's much harder down the road, 20 years or 30 years down the road, uh, for, the, for the, the entire people to, to stand up and throw you out. When by that time, one, at least one third of them are part Russian, you see. It's all through so many folks, families by that time. That's how it was done. And that was a deliberate policy. They paid the troops extra if they would settle in the areas by marrying uh, girls in those areas where they were stationed. Very old system, a very old technique. And, and it smacks, as I say, the same kind of, uh, kind of thing that happened with the Norman invasion into, into England or Britain, or England really. Uh, and uh, even the Roman, uh, the Romans did try this too at one time. And after the Romans really collapsed, or the same kind of thing, uh, and went back home to, to Rome from England, they did leave a lot of people back in, in, in England at the time. And we have histories of them from monks. It was really interesting uh, that, uh, of certain families that still stayed behind, and they were very old Roman families. But, but again, uh, the Normans, when they came into Britain, they, uh, they had... Prima Nocta, which is first night, of course, and of course the, the nobility would literally, um, if a maiden was going to get married in the local areas, with the Saxon areas and so on, in England, uh, they'd just take the right to uh, have uh, sex with them in the hope they'd get pregnant. Uh, and the, and you, so now you've got relatives within the local community that you'll groom to be in charge of the community. But an old, old technique, really. Nothing new about it. I'm sure it might still go on in some parts of the world today. It wasn't just first night and the whole thing. The idea was to breed themselves into the, the people. And even their offspring would become future leaders over those peoples. In Ireland, you have an interesting situation where some of the Fitz, like Fitzsimmons and, and so on, often had noble parentage, but they were illegitimate, but they were still given a legal standing, you see, and so hence this, the, the prefix fits part to their names, Fitzgerald, etc. And so that still stood today. But getting, this isn't getting off the topic, really, what it is showing you is the great powers manage us all, and it, it doesn't come from little people in every generation just reinventing the wheel. These are sciences that are recorded and understood 
over many, many, many centuries, many going way back to Plato and, and even before Plato's, some of these philosophers in ancient Greece were awfully interesting because they were interested <laughs> in what was happening around them. And they, and they liked to put it down, especially in their schools. And uh, the, the leisure class came to them, you know, and they were getting trained uh, into this. And philosophy wasn't just there for passing the time, although the, the, the school came from the term, uh, really, um, leisure, you know. And wealth and leisure, you had leisure, because the, the ordinary people hadn't time to learn anything except maybe a trade or something. But those who ruled, the ruling uh, classes, or maybe even castes for all that in, in, in Greece. And Greece is a huge area. It wasn't just a little. There's so many hundreds of islands, in fact, involved too. But some of them, uh, again, were actually condemned by the state, some of these teachers, because they wanted to overthrow the system and bring in this new system. And, and Socrates, of course, wasn't just get offered his, his poison because of that. Uh, it, it, there were def, there were definite um, charges laid against them. It's interesting. The Enlightenment era, they always resurrect Socrates and his teachings. Interesting uh, teachings, absolutely, uh, and a good mind behind it, and maybe a good, a better mind between the behind the translators, because you can fudge an awful lot of perhaps uh, better thinking by translating it, certainly. But anyway, you, you find that Socrates was also charged with literally trying to subvert the youth. It wasn't sexually. At least that wasn't promoted as such or part of the charge. It was to, to train the youth to overthrow the parents in a system, so rev, to be revolutionaries. That's what it was about. And that, when it was brought out into the open, uh, the parents and the nobility just lost it. They said, what, what, had no idea. And this all came out during the inquiries. It was so bad that many of the students had to flee for their lives because they were trained to be revolutionaries. Plato had to disappear for a while. And, and he did, quite, quite a long time. And they had this interesting similarity to different groups that, that even, like the, the Senes that, that came along too in the Middle East as well, that lots of things in common. Where you would get groups in, you would have, you would have an initial meeting groups, so like, like a an open day, put that way, every so often, where folk could come in and listen to the to the the lower esoteric teachings, and they see that's rather pleasant, etc. I wouldn't mind joining that. And then, if uh, one of the youngsters came in to join it, and probably paid by the parents, who thought it was give them a good education, uh, then if they if they had the right stuff, because they had they had levels and degrees, just like later groups had too, uh, of induction, all the way up, as I say, to the Lord Alfred Milner group that has an, uh, an inner party and an outer party. That's where the idea came from George Orwell's 1984. The inner party and the outer party. In the circle of friends, etc. And the constant foreign relations. So it, it's, that's how, it, it, very old ideas. And all elitists, you see, going way back to even Socrates, it's all to do with elitism. And through the, the, the various dialogues that they would have um, in, their, in their teachings, they'd always have a, a discourse, a kind of um, 
fantasy discourse with someone else as a teaching tool. If I said to you, blah, 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 what would you reply or think? And then you then you try to guide them into, into what you the way you want them to think. But it's always to question what is. What is? What is this and what is that? And not, not, not really to enlighten you as such, maybe partly, but then to take you off and reshape you and to, now think about it this way, you know? Well, that's how people are recruited today for the most horrible things on humanity. Oh, what do you think all these little people? It's kind of like The Third Man, eh? the movie. Awfully, one of the best movies ever made, The Third Man. It, it was so well directed and written and directed and, and filmed. Oh, black and white movie. And, and the location is, was fantastic during uh, actual reoccupation of a country that was post-World War II, where you'd still had, and you'd still had the Russian and and British and American and French uh, quadrants, and these, these big cities were by the Allies, as they say, and all these displaced displaced peoples. None of, none of them wanted to be grabbed. If they, if they had a background uh, or come from a country that was now owned, run over, or ruled by the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union could take you back, just demand that you, even though you weren't in their country, you were in Vienna and, and so on. Uh, they could demand that you go back there, you see. Horrible things happened. But in the movie, uh, the villain, Orson Welles, is up in, uh, he's meeting his, his pal, his pal come over to see him, and his pal thought that, that Orson, you know, the third man was dead because he had a fake burial. And then he found he was alive and he came up to question him. And Orson Welles had been really been sought. For, the reason he, he pretended at death was he was sought by the, the police and the Allied forces at the time, the military police, because one of his scams was getting penicillin and diluting it. And then reselling it for big money, and it was so. And, and went to children's hospitals, and they were dying of meningitis and things. And of course, the antibiotic was no use; it was too diluted. All these kind of these scams did go on, by the way. Scams and, and medicines have all up the present time, as you all know, I'm sure. And so Orson Welles meets the guy on a carousel, a big one of these big round wheels, goes up around and so on, and they go up in it. And at the top, uh, Wells talks to his friend that goes to see him. He said, look at all these people down there. Because his friend was saying, well, you, you know, you're, you've been accused of this. Is this true? You know, your, your medicine is, is now killing children. And Austin Wells looks down and says, look at all those people down there. And he says, do you really think that this system thinks any more of those people? You know, He says, the state calls them the proletariat, you know, I call them the masses and so on, and the communists call them the masses and I call them the, you know, in other words, they're just little dots, he says, how much is each dot really worth to you? And that's how a psychopath would describe humanity, the victims of whatever, they're just, you know, they're nothings. And that's how we're really ruled, folks. You have no idea of how many layers of psychopaths are, all, are churned out of academia and selected for their qualities as psychopaths, the particular traits, to do dastardly things over the general populations. They're generally arrogant, well-paid, 
uh, trained in, in either psychology or, or behaviorism, often both, and persuasive techniques. To, to, so folk will can be convinced to obey them, right down to even giving up your own life, you know. Is it, are you really worth the money your government will spend on you? Why don't you just sign this little thing and and, and decide, yeah, I've had enough. I've I, become a burden on And you end up with eugenical euthanasia. It's here, folks. It's been here. And I gave the talks years ago when it was brought into Canada. I did the talks years ago when they'd introduced it into Holland, a big test case there. That's what they, a trial bed for it all. And yet, the, the public, just like getting drift, drifting into war and drifting into everything, never figuring things out, because the media is so powerful, like the Rockefeller said, how many newspapers and magazines do we have to own to create the, basically the all newsworthy themes? We'll be in charge of it all. That was back in the 1930s. And they did it all. Tonight, I'll only put up... Um, a link to the Plandemic video. And this video is part of the Plandemic series. And so you can have a look at it. It's really, really good. It's well done. And it, it, it really is, is well done in, in, in the way it's who they show you clip by clip on one side of the screen the sequences of introducing a, a plague to the public, basically, under the, under the actual exercise, the two, event 201. They had, they shoot, you see them saying, here's the topics, here's what they say, and they have these actors doing these things. And then the right hand side, you see, you see the exact same things done in reality when COVID broke out. Exact same sequences. Well done. Well worth watching. No conspiracy here. I mean, you're seeing it. It's, it's right from this horse's mouth, eh? Right down to, during the exercise, I've mentioned this before, before the movie was made, during the exercise, Event 201 said that uh, we'll have to deal with, with, with fake information about it and, and they'll start with just censoring this and censoring that and they'll end up arresting people if need be. And, blah, blah. and that's, we're just following the script, folks. Yep. And some other things, too, to do with other agencies that Bill Gates and his foundation run. They sound, you, you wouldn't know they're his, really, but they're all, they're, they're, it's a small group, really, with the Gavi and all the rest of them. The groups to do with uh, vaccinations, and WHO he funds a lot of that too. Maybe three quarters it's been said uh, the funding goes to, and so it sounds like all these official sources are saying the same thing. They, they, they must all it, must, it has to be true, until you realize they're all getting it from only one source. All of them, all these begins, but the news organisations just parroting. It's done again and well in the, in the video. Uh, you, you see them all parting the same lines, like verbatim, word for word, regardless of the name of the news company, because they're all on board with it. That's the beauty of standardized information coming from the same source. You can rule the world that way. Plato said something similar, by the way, so that also mentions it in the video, <laughs> that, that the storyteller controls the country. Well, that's how it's done. Anyway... I'll put that one up. It's a must-see, folks. Um, and who knows if I'll be up for long or not. It's in BitChute right now. And BitChute 2, apparently, is now having its an onslaught against it and, and succumbing to censorship, etc., in certain areas. So that, that's the way it goes. Um, 
I said years ago, before I had a computer, and I was given talks, because I never used a computer initially, and only got it eventually simply because I was on full-time radio at the time. But up until then, no, I, I could. I, I had stacks of books, I had good libraries, and had all the information I really needed to know what was going on. But I knew eventually, I knew that obviously that the whole idea with the internet, from the very way they, 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 they really launched it to the general population, both to children and adults, is awfully interesting. Because in the 90s, the 1990s, they started dumping books out of libraries. They call it weeding. I've done talks on, on this whole process called weeding. You can look it up in your own areas, the weeding of books. And first they started with books that, uh, that they didn't want the public to read. Tremendous censorship was happening, and the folk hadn't a clue. And then they started dumping books, like, like generations of books that were built up, just dumping them. I, in the countryside, I saw stacks of getting dumped in a local, a local garbage dump. And that was happening all over the place. And most folk haven't got a clue that even happened. And then towards uh, maybe the middle of, of the 1990s, maybe 1996 or seven, but at the same time, 1995, where it, it was announced. Now remember, in 1995, you, most folk were kind of sailing along. All you had at that, at that time was the free trade deals and so on. You were losing all your factories abroad, and lots of folk were losing their homes because they ran out of places to work to pay their mortgages off. Uh, all signed and signed and sealed and delivered by the politicians in every country. Every country was on board with this, the politicians were. But then in 1995, when all this was happening, I think it was the Toronto Sun, I can't remember the names, it was Grattan or something, I can't remember the guy's name, but but he came up with an article and he said that they'll tap, they'll tap our phones, I think it was tap our phones to please Uncle Sam. It was an agreement that had been made with Canada, just, just made with Canada and the States, uh, to literally insert uh, back doors into phones. It wasn't just like the cell phones. It was all phones. And they said all communication devices. It was fax machines, everything. Had to, had to have uh, signatures so they could trace who they were, blah, blah, blah. And, and they couldn't sell any phone from then on or fax machine without these things inserted. Any communication device. Of course, the early cell phones were the same. And everybody was saying, well, what was going on here? Nothing was, you know, we weren't, we weren't under terrorism at that time, except from the government. And then, of course, it was a few years later, not long, maybe 1998 or so, 97 or 98, that Alan Rock, who was Attorney General of Canada, uh, passed, I guess he drafted it or something, but he passed the whole thing, it seemed by himself, uh, to do with, uh, it was an omnibus crime bill. And... Uh, at that time, you had some reporters who could actually ask questions and, and dared to. And they said, what on earth is this? This isn't just a crime. This is an anti-terrorism scenario, a whole, whole omnibus thing. Will you be held indefinitely for different purposes, without charges, all that kind of, oh, It's all in there. Before 9-11 happened, remember. So you're building up to this whole scenario. They've been planned beforehand, folks. All of it. And then towards the end of that, that, that decade, too, they started bringing out uh, initially, they tried to get police to wear combat gear, army gear, with army colours and so on. 
and it didn't go too well. That that scenario is off. Here's here's little SWAT teams. They're yeah, dressed like military in the green combat gear, and and the streets of Toronto, and they're going out to get to investigate shootings and, and noises of of gunshots. But remember, it was all it was all PR stunts to get the public to, to try to test the public. Would you accept this in your streets? And you had these smelling guys posing, you know, like models, which probably were models, in fact, all smiling, showing off their teeth. And say, oh, these are young, healthy guys you wouldn't mind talking to in the street. They look pretty decent characters, you know. And then they started to show you, you suddenly saw them dressed in black gear from the old light blue shirts, the sky blue shirts and all that. And from the police you could approach, they suddenly... I mean, they're four at a time going down little streets and country country towns and so on. And the, the country papers actually said it. You may have noticed in the last week or two that the new look for our constables as they display their, their new gear off to the public. Here they are with, with combat gear on, but it's black uh, with, with uh, you know, the tucked in bottoms of their pants and their, and their combat boots and all that. This, these weren't cops. They were all preparing for what's happening today, folks. Way in advance. Way in advance. They had the wars arranged for 9-11. The PNAC group published the countries they wanted to get taken out. It's the same list they're still working on today. They haven't finished it all yet. But it's the same one. Anyway, Alan Rock did that, the Omnibus Crime Bill. And then he went off to work at the United Nations. Eh? A, a, a real, and he, I think he just came back recently. And... Uh, Bob Ray, the other communist, has been sent over to the UN to represent Canada. <laughs> it's quite interesting. So anyway, it's fascinating to live through this, this, this system and, and to watch it all. And you have to remember these things because you, you, you catch on really quick. That nothing happens by itself just spontaneously. It doesn't happen that way. Any more than the COVID idea happens. Spont- I could go on f- like for, for days talking about just the disease scenario, and how they got it all prepared years ago with different parts of it, not just the event 201, and so there's many, many ones before it, but all connected from the same sources. That's what we're living through. Long-term planning, big scripts, five-year plans for some parts, 10 for others, 15 years, 50 years, and then 100 years for other parts of it. That's how we are run and ruled. And Getting back to this Black Lives Matter, the present face of communism and Antifa. It's inter- I mean, it is interesting. Come on, you can't say it's not interesting. These front groups, they're busing them all across different U.S. states for the riots, including, and I'll put the article up too, <laughs> with a big massive bus specially equipped supposedly to feed them that was caught uh, just the other day there going in there and filling up stacks of gasoline cans to feed the, the, the demonstrators, they call it. And it's all paid for by a, a spontaneously created NGO, non-profitable organization, right? a charitable group. A huge bus, you should see it. I wouldn't mind that much. I could live in that quite happily. And um, But yeah, this is how it's all done, eh? and you're supposed to think it's all just happening by itself. And then you have all, all the signs and symptoms of a world war on the go. What do you get in a world war? Well, you get restrictions of movement, 
under so COVID brings you restrictions of movement. In World War, they, d- they couldn't even make you all live in your own homes permanently without going out, right? Some in the Soviet era, era places, they did have lockdowns and curfews for sure. And, and yeah, in Britain, they'd have certain curfews at certain times of the night in certain parts of the countries and so on. So all this was tested out through World War scenarios. But also, you had to have papers to travel outside your own designated area. That's all coming with your immunity passport, eh? In World War, you couldn't get gasoline for most folk for, for vehicles, if, if they even had vehicles, unless you, you were essential, again, essential business, essential part of the system. And that's going to come to probably this, this winter as they go further. But this is a wartime scenario. So remember, we're on wartime scenarios. What do you get next? Well, um, in World War Two, you had rationing, you see. So you end up with rationing. They've already trained you for, for get used to uh, a non-meat diet. They've had big articles out about it, praising it. Oh, this, this is going to end up, get rid of those methane-creating uh, bovine pro, uh, cattle, etc. Uh, which will also mean the end of your, your, your milk and your calcium and your vitamin D. But let's not talk about the nasty things, side effects. And all the all the agendas that they, they wanted to get through, which they admitted to, by the way, the Club of Rome, how they're going to get all, all the sustainability goals through that were getting ignored by using COVID. Look at their own site, Club of Rome. Eh? So in War Two, so you, so you get rationing, you, you get you get restrictions of movement. You ha- you have um, you couldn't get transport, and I mean too, you won't get transportation and buses and things even if you have them in your area. It's all going to come down that way, eh? And so in World War Two, you had more folk uh, bicycling here and there. You see, and I've I've got they've got all these articles out now. It's wonderful sustainability. Well, all these bicycle paths when you create the same old agenda they tried twenty years ago, and been at ever since. And of course, there's a whole generation kicked out of it uh, because a lot of folk are too old to bicycle, you see. And you can't really do much bicycling in the winter of Canada, which is awfully long and heavily, heavy with snow. So, but that doesn't matter. You're through a war scenario. Now, in a war scenario, you also... So, you, so therefore, you have um, complete uh, spying on all information, telephone calls and everything, right? So we've had all that since 9-11. That's what brought all that in. And as I said before, the, the Omnibus Crime Bill in Canada in the late 90s already had that stuff in it, basically, all preparing for the coming wars. And then they came out with, again, standardizing of information, computers, m- more so, more efficient computers for the public. And again, as they were dumping all the school books, you can go into the library, and I went to the library quite often in the town I lived nearby. And uh, there's all these computers there. Huh? And if you we were in near, near lunchtime, it'd be, it'd be full of youngsters. I mean, really young school children, even junior school, all in these computers, you see. And I says, it must be awfully interesting. Well, they were in a lot of them to watch pornography. The, 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 the librarian told me this. And sure enough, you saw it, you had all these articles in the papers in the 90s about there's so much pornography in, in, on the internet. That was that was to get adults as well to look into this stuff. That's what got a lot of the, the folk involved. I want you to see your pornography, my God. And, 
Away you go. Because so, sex is a weapon, and sex is awfully good at destroying societies too, especially when you're restructuring society and destroying the old, like the family unit, which is awfully important for those that rule the world. That you think you probably think they're all just communists. No, no, no. As I said before, the world meetings for the future of the British Empire, for instance, eh, in the 1930s, run by the Rockefeller Foundation, paid for by them, who also paid for their book printing, and uh, and had the Council on Foreign Relations there, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, eh, the, the Milner Group. They went through all this kind of stuff. And that and that communist leaders there that all kinds of and Carl Quigley talked about it in Tragedy and Hope and and he said it too. He says uh, he says we have all kinds. We don't mind if they're fascist or communist or whatever. It's all kinds because they're all leading lots of groups. You see, it's beautiful. Most folk join groups. They never lead them. All you have to do is create the leaders for them and the groups. And <laughs> bring all these folk behind them, you see. Look at all uh, the Black Lives Matter in the States, the looting and rioting. Uh, are, are people following you thinking it's free shopping time and that no one's going to touch them? Uh, even the mayor, some of the mayors have come out and said, it's okay if they're looting, they probably need, need it to steal the stuff, to sell it, cause it, it, and all these excuses, you know. But they really don't are not into ideal, ideology, you know. But the ones who are leading it all, promoting it all, are well-trained Marxists at the top, the leaders. And they, all, they know who all the people are. There's no doubt about it. There's no, there's no real secrecy about this. And they've got them all sussed out who they are and where they are and, and who moves them where and so on. So they're, they're allowed to do this. This is part of the big agenda right now, the restructuring of everything. And through destruction as well. Volumes have been written over many, many centuries on, on this technique of restructuring and rebuilding societies, reshaping them by those in control. And a lot of folk are completely puzzled right now, looking at the U.S. especially, uh, and saying, well, what, are they, what are they doing here? You know, and, and then they'll come out with, oh, it's, it's kind of complicated, the U.S. system, that it can't really... Uh, be involved in, and uh, they can't bring the military in to, to to quell the riots. Well, they brought military in before when New Orleans was flooded, you know. And under insurrection laws, yeah, they can use the military then. It's a different thing when you're, you're seeing a, a, a revolution inside to overthrow the existing system. Not that it's the greatest, put that way, because we know it's corrupt at the top. To replace it with what? It'll be the next part of the same corrupt group, uh, the next part of, of uh, rulership through, a, through the appearance of a different system. It's, it's all planned in advance. I haven't seen the richest folk in the U.S. fleeing the country. In fact, the richest folk in the world, in the U.S., have been financing these revolutions. And, and they've even put lists of their names out and published them who are giving the money to terrorist organizations. If you donate to a terrorist organization, you will have a visit right away and be charged under the insurrection too for aiding and abetting terrorist organizations. But how come the CEOs of these big, the biggest corporations are funding this? Come on here, wisen up folks. And the folk who are at the bottom who are, do, who are the followers of this, 
better start thinking too. What's what's the score here? What's the score? You can't rage against a system when the folk who own the system are paying you to riot. Something's wrong, isn't it? Again, and youngsters too, who don't think too deeply, they can't see the future, a lot of them. They really think they're on the cutting edge of something big. They really do. They've nothing to replace it by. I mean, if you ask them like, what, they're, what they want, they can't tell you. They, they, well, everyone should be free. You know, well, how long will that last and, until we're all, you know, starving? And nobody, no one, no one will work again. A, a utopian earth, eh? Yeah. Well, as I say, that that went out with the Garden of Eden, you know, because the Garden of Eden supplied everything supposedly. But uh, we don't have that today. We nature's pretty nasty, you know. We have a war against nature all the time. You see all this thing about sustainability and living with nature and. We don't live in it. We, we conquer nature in order to live because nature will conquer you. Nature doesn't give a darn about you. And, and it's just not going to uh, change its own seasons to give you uh, free crops of everything every year and, and everything you need will just drop off of trees. It's not going to happen. And, and in the coldest countries, you know, it, it, it's, it's a battle all the time to survive. And under sustainability, they want to cut back what all your heating options until one corporation probably will own electricity. That's all they're going to give you down the road. And then you're going to have brownouts because then they're going to control you that way too. Everything is to do with control and profit. They profit off having totalitarian monopolies. The monopoly men, eh? That's how it's done. So yeah, the computer came in to again standardize all information. And they already had all the interests of humans. And every age group was catered to it is today. Who are the youngsters involved? What, what do they think about? We've all been through it, if you remember it, you know. And um, let's give them lots of occultic stuff to make them interested. And, 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 and amongst it all, you start to insert little bits that alter their thinking here and thinking there. Everything, everything is weaponized. The computer is completely... We- the computer, remember, was created as a weapon against uh, in the Cold War. You're talking about military games and so on. All that was played through computerization. And the viruses were all created then too. Way, way, way back, eh? And they've trained the people in no time at all, not only to, to accept no privacy with 9-11 happening, with phone calls and everything else, uh, but in, and texting, so who, we've got to find who you are and when you're doing why you're saying this, and all, yada, yada. And, and then again, a lot of folk actually believe anyway they've got privacy on the internet. There's not a company out there that you've got anti-spyware or whatever that isn't, even if you're paying for it, uh, that isn't selling off your data. They're all at it, folks. They're all part of it. And they all sell it, too. The biggest purchase of it all are government agencies. This is a total war scenario. Total war. Again, restriction of travel. You'll get rationing systems down the road. You won't get a card, probably. Uh, it'll be all about an app on your phone. You've already, you've already accepted that. That phone that you buy now is like a manacle already that you carry with you. You pay for it all. You pay for your chains. Eh? 
and your immunity passport will be on. Oh my goodness, isn't it wonderful? Lucky I bought this phone, eh? Ugh. Mm-mm-mm. And what else do you get during warfare? Again, we get all the propaganda. We're all in it together. It's for the common good. You get the police um, coming, getting more powers to invade people's privacy again and make them conform to whatever the, the laws are. Put that lights out, Dad's army, you know. The APR warden. Put that light out. All these fines, not if a chink of light shone anywhere in the country at night, eh? Oh, German planes could see that at so many thousand feet, you know. Well, generally they weren't flying over most of the country, <laughs> but that didn't matter. Facts don't matter, you see. It's obedience, obedience, obedience. And again, going back to what would you get during it, they always have, have scenarios that got nothing to do with reality, again. Huh? Quigley talked about... Uh, the British system, preparing the public of Britain to get into a war. You're always prepared in advance. Most folk don't realize you're being prepared. It's all it's bits and bytes of information. You, you don't really think through too much. But, but back then, he said it, he said that the, the media barons, that were all members of the Royal Institute for International Affairs from the Milner Group, they, they owned all the media in Britain. Uh, got together in London, and they said, well, the people are going nonchalantly about their usual business and dis- disregarding all the propaganda about the coming war with Germany. And and so they decided to make it more realistic to them, to, to get them frightened. And so they got them all digging outside in, in the par- big parks in London and so on, and f- big propaganda blitzes, because they owned all the media, right, all these barns, and uh, you saw these guys digging trenches and so on in these fields and for the coming year. Now, what good is a trench <laughs> when you get bombed from the air? <laughs> and, but, but they top it off, though. And, and again, it got massive publicity. They, they make it real. The first thing you've got to do is not just lie to the public. You must get the public on board with it, you see? Or, or there's going to be no war at all. And for goodness sake, you don't want that. You want a war, right? So... They said, oh, those Germans are going to gas you all. So, next thing you know, every, oh, oh, they must get, and they adult propaganda pieces on past news. And um, they'd have these uh, women, oh, my baby, what like my baby? Don't worry, ma'am, here's the, we have it right here, and you have this bottle-looking thing you can stick the baby into. And um, that'd be a, a, a gas mask, a respirator too. But the rest of them had to wear, wear gas masks. So you see the, the, the woman when dressed with her, her, her gas mask on, and you had to carry that with them at all times with a tin hat, you know. But the gas mask was compulsory. And you had to have it with you wherever you went. And your, your little tin hat and all that. Uh, and, and, a, and a havers, a satchel, you know. And, and they'd have practice drills if you put on your gas mask. Now, Germany had never said they were going to gas the people, but the propaganda from the media barns said they were, so to, just to terrify the public, so you start to hate them. I hate those Germans, they're, they're going to gas us all. Look at those poor children in that, in that ad we just saw there, you know. Having to put on those masks and everything. Uh, so they, they make you do strange and silly things that got nothing to do with reality, you know. As I say, who good is one of these tin hats when you're going to get bombed from there? What you're doing here today is face masks with the same, you know, compulsory things by police ready to hit you with batons if you don't comply, you know, 
in some countries. This truly is incredible. You saw him choking a woman, a cop. Stri- it was like strangling a woman in, in one of these videos. Just amazing. Uh, but anyway, never trust your, your authorities, folks. Never, no. You'd hope we'd learn down through the ages, you know. In the US, you used to say that freedom required perpetual vigilance. And people used to be vigilant about the ones who were ruling over you. But once you get fat and lazy, and oh well, you know, experts, experts run us. It's, you know, experts, who am I to, complete, to, to, to argue with an expert? And then you give it all up so easily, don't you? By tricks. So yeah, in, in World War Two, gas masks for everybody. You had to be with had a, with you all times. There was a fine, you see. And they could lock you up if you persisted. You have uh, face masks for, for a, a disease which even the CDC said in May uh, on their website that the masks wouldn't stop you getting it or stop anyone getting it from you if you wore it. So there you go. You can buy the things in the packets, so I'll tell you that too. The micron size of the COVID is, is apparently even smaller than, than the M95. But facts don't matter when it's big, big propaganda things afoot to change society and terrify it. And if you don't wear masks, you see, and people saw that in the summer, maybe a month or six weeks or something of a mask free in some countries, they started to just forget about the six foot distancing nonsense. And we're around along healthily about their businesses. And and, uh, and you see, language, human language isn't just speaking. It's, it's little gestures and nuances from the facial expressions and so on. That's all part of communication. And when you see everybody doing it, you see, whether you know them or not, or even like them or not, it's making a difference. The fact is that they're, they're, it's all messaging to you if it's okay. Well, I'm okay, you're okay, blah, blah. This place is okay. Uh, once you're masked, that goes out the window and you're, you're a constant threat, you see. You don't know who or what. Or is, is that, you know, maybe you're the threat, you don't know yet. Maybe if you choke yourself enough and suffocate yourself enough, with them, because that's the only function they have is to suffocate you. And to make it seem terrible, there's a big, deadly menace out there, right? That's what it's for. Put it away and folk go back to normal. And they can't have that because this whole idea is to change society. It was planned for years and years. Going 2010, the Rockefeller scenario, eh? With the lockstep, etc. All the way up to the present. I got stuck on further back to 2003 and 2006. All with the same scenarios. Getting ready for it, getting ready by again. The big players, the, one, the players, by the way, who rule us are the same players who have invested financial interest in the vaccine companies and antivirals. If that is not a, 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 a criminal gang right there, folks, who are also involved in terrifying you with propaganda. Mm-hmm. So yeah, wartime scenarios, eh? Can't travel the same way. Uh, you can't heat yourself the same way. Probably down road Canada, I'll definitely come to that. And you can't use gasoline engines. You must get gasoline. You must get the, uh, the the electric ones only if you can afford one. It isn't just getting an electric car. It's so many thousands of dollars to have your electric uh, supply to your house fixed, so as you can charge it at your home, especially if you're in the country. 
it's quite a few thousand bucks. And then every few years you'd have to spend about half the price of the, a new car to, to replace the batteries that, that won't hold a charge in sub-zero temperatures or in very, very excessively hot temperatures either. This isn't conspiracy. This is for their own facts. <laughs> the facts don't matter when you're dealing with those who give you realities and unrealities in the psychological warfare programs. So, yeah, the computer, again, personal computer, eh? And you'll say, my God, look at all the things I'll get on it. It's every age group. Every age group is certainly catered to. And, and, and as you're watching this and watching it, this is like the TV sets a while back, too, is that Samsung came out with one. It was the first one to admit that it was watching you and watching what you're watching and watching you as you watched it. <laughs> you're being studied constantly. You're paying to get studied, folks, like little lands. Hmm? Now everybody buys their, their Lexus and different programs or hubs to, uh, so that you, you're completely spied upon. You do it voluntarily, but, and you pay your money for it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Hmm? In the old days, you know, slaves were manacled together, like prisoners in chain gangs. So, you know, uh, and, but at least that was free. You're paying for it today. Isn't that amazing what they can convince you to do? Hmm? And you smile, but you watch the ads, and you see people, oh, I can, they're talking to their Alexis and so on. And Alexa says, should I report you to the police? Oh, no, Alexa, don't do that. Ha, ha, ha. Technology is imprisoning you in so many ways that you haven't got a clue that it's even happening. It's so professionally done, and you adapt so quickly to everything that's wrong. <laughs> Simply because it's there and everybody's doing the same thing. Hmm. Now remember, folks, too, that you can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, list all my official sites. I always say this because sometimes things happen. And I, I know a lot more is going to happen as, as they go through this wartime scenario in their censorship departments. And things happen. I mean, you went last week, I could hardly, I was up till five in the morning uploading. Because suddenly a computer just started doing an oddball thing that's, uh, as, and it's only used for uploading. That's all. So yeah, it's, things happen that shouldn't happen. It takes a long time to fix or whatever. And, and I accept this pretty commonly, this, this kind of scenario, because uh, yeah, you, you will get hammered in lots of ways. They don't just come after folk and sue folk and, and, and so on. Uh, you, electronic warfare is an old, old technique. They were using it all through the Cold War on each other, the, the competing countries uh, who were all in conflict with each other. At least in the old days, you had to buy the propaganda. You, you bought it through newspapers. And uh, that no matter what you were into, you could buy it. I mean, the communists have their own ones out. Uh, you, and if you didn't get it locally, you'd send off for it. You had uh, different different flavors of Marxism out there competing. You had the, the, the pretended right wing ones groups, yeah? and then often owned by the same media barns that owned the left wing groups. If you if you followed through the subgroups and 
sub-companies that they all own, often they're owned by the same media barns, all sides of things. Quite interesting, isn't it? To, to realise that, that everything you're, that you, you're, and and again you look into it because there's little interesting pieces in it. I like this paper because it has the, has this or it has that, and and we're creatures of habit. We we adapt to things very quickly, and we want, we we, get, we, we want uh, familiarity with with something. I, I'll read this paper. I'm familiar with it. There's the, these authors and these writers and so on. Eh? Never realising that often the same writers. Are getting their sources from a common a common hub, you might say, and parroting the stuff by paying a fee for it. That's very common today. The internet, the internet's actually a bit worse than that. Some sites you go into, uh, I'll only link to stories which they've paid for. They don't tell you they've paid for them from other sources. But when you look up the sources, they keep going back to themselves, so that you, so that you look at the same site over and over again, rather than tell you here's here's where it really came from in the first place. You know, I try to get ones from all over the place rather than just go round in circles pretending it all comes from me or something. But this is how how we're controlled, and folk don't know it. So they, they really don't. So we're creatures of habit. We link familiarity, and uh, we adapt to things very very quickly. Um, some women, uh, again, because uh, I did talks many years ago on, on the surveys that were done on people as were studied. And I think back in the 90s, up until the 90s, late 90s, 90, was it 97% of magazines at the time, um, or 95%, were aimed at women. Because you change society primarily, it's all psychologists will tell you, you've been through the training, uh, uh, through, and behaviours, through the female. You, you, they're, they're quicker to adapt and try something new that's suggested to them, and so they will uh, ch- change the culture much, much quicker. And they're getting used. They don't know they're getting used, but they're getting used. Uh, because it, it doesn't dawn on them where this is supposed to go to, or this is supposed to lead to this particular behaviour. Whereas the guys are generally, men are generally a bit more conservative. Uh, I don't mean politically, I mean by nature. And they don't like change so much, you see. So you change it through the female. And this has been an old technique that's always been understood. So getting back to cuttingthroughimages.com. Remember, you can donate to me by PayPal or sending cash or check. And there's other ways to to get money to me as well. And you can buy the books and discs if you want, cutting through the media store, or the straight donations. And it helps me keep going because, see, I've got costs as well. And believe you me, this is a full-time, this would be a full-time job for quite a few folk if I had them. But it's just me here, so it's up to, um, I try to keep going as long as I can. Because believe you me, I haven't had holidays really for, for, for 20-odd years. Yeah. Because this is a, a full-time, this is a war. Uh, there was a war before you heard of 9-11 coming along. All the way up to the present time. It's a war to try and get information, to find information, and to record information for posterity. Because it disappears so quickly. Things are just, dis- dis- you'll find that too, and with that, this particular uh, vid- with that video I'm talking about putting up there. And grab it quick before it does disappear. Because things are changing so quickly. Um, and things are, the things that were discussed even a, f- even a few weeks ago are disappearing like crazy off the internet. All the evidence, I put the CDC saying this and the whole bit, and boom, boom, gone, 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 replaced. 
almost replaced by something that's diluted or whatever, or, or completely different. So again, cuttingtominutes.com, donate to me and help me tick along because this is a full-time war we're in, folks. And the, the future is not going to be bright at all. Remember, they're talking about depopulation on a large scale. They've been talking about this for years and years before I was born even. And they really mean business. And out of that, the more chaos they can create in the streets and, and with businesses getting destroyed and homes getting destroyed and all the rest of it, they'll come at one when you're on, if they can keep going, this is the whole idea, idea of this, if they can keep it going, it isn't just to end what you think of as America that will submerge into the system that is, has been pushing across the rest of the world for a long time. Then if you're on your knees, they'll say, well, here's what we've come up with, and it's a completely new way of living. That's what the World Economic Forum is all about, with its great reset, the global reset of everything. It isn't just the economy, it's everything that, that comes under the economy, which is pretty well everything. <laughs> your way of living, from birth to death. Will you even have children? Should you have children? Look at all, the, as they resuscitate the same old ideas here. Here's, here's people now who, this is news again, eh, who come forward saying they don't really want children because there's too, it's too unruly a time and, and a scary time to have children. And also, it's, it's not economical. And also, it's bad for the planet. The same stuff they keep rehashing over and repetition, repetition, repetition. You can always find the, the paid actors to do it, folks. Always, yeah. So if they can get people on their knees, because remember, a war, as Quigley said too, and others have said as well, and, and it's taught in officers' training corps and colleges, it's taught that um, if you bring competing nations who, who are at war to their knees, it changes the culture and society on both sides. It doesn't matter who wins and loses. So you can actually plan the changes, you see. And implement them. And actually sometimes before the war start, sections within each country are in on the big act of doing the very thing in the first place. This is a fact, folks. And so you change society through conflict, massive conflict. So if you if you have a war scenario with oh it's COVID, oh, you know. And they got riots going on at the same time. Just coincidentally, it's just coincidence it's all happening at the same time. No, this is planned warfare. And the big corporations are funding it, as you say. Who's going to benefit the big corporations again? What did Quigley said to, say too? The, the, the new system that's going to be brought in is a new feudal system where the feudal overlords, the CEOs, are the new feudal overlords of the system. And you're seeing the CEOs fund all these things, including the riots, and getting away with it as places, as places get burned down and so on. Now the agitators in front, even the Black Lives Matter, these are these are white. Have you noticed that? It's, it's the Antifa groups that are they're running them too. You saw one of the, the places where they were torturing the cars at night and, and smashing them up and so on in a used car dealer's place. And you see these white guys dressed in black, pushing the young black guys out of the way. And smashing and showing them how to do it, then handing the clubs back to them. These guys are the bosses. They're getting funded, they get paid for this. Big time. 
Start off with the ashes again, right? The phoenix will rise. The phoenix is a new system. When everybody's so sick of it, if they can keep it on through a, a whole winter into next year, and the economy gets dumped, and there's there's hunger, and there's rationing, and all the rest of it, and 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 again, the big propaganda machine. Oh, thousands have died today, you know. Propaganda. Then the hope is you'll eventually accept a new system through terror and fear, just to get buy or bring some kind of thing back some at least give us the food back and yada yeah you see you'll, you'll accept and accept this is total warfare of a system on you the war is on you i hope you understand you are the target of the war the saddest thing is that certain organizations that they pretend to, to fight racism are actually the ones they're the propagandists uh, by the people who are re- the, the real racists in the U.S. I'm talking about well-established institutions. And some of them have come out again. It's interesting. The same ones came out back in the 2001, leading up to 2001, about the greatest threat. They're the FBI out, uh, out too, because they're, they're paid for as well and owned by the same groups. And intelligence services too They're all owned by the same group really <laughs> Saying that the greatest threat to America Was the white folk and militias This is back in the 90s Leading up to 2001 And everybody's scratching their heads What do you mean uh, The greatest threat to America Was that And then The peanut group Got their little war Just luckily Because they're good at guessing You know If they just have The right kind of thing A Pearl Harbor event To get the public on board For the list of countries They wanted to go to war with They got 9-11 And uh, bingo Off they went And they were still saying That the greatest threat To the US Was these militia groups And whites You know And and they've, they've resurrected The same nonsense again This time Absolute nonsense Yeah as as folk as as Antifa and BLM going through the streets doing their shopping, it's fascinating to watch, isn't it? Really, come on, you're all quite fascinated to watch all that stuff, and to and let me tell you that it's just protests. Well, no protests or signing forms and you know traffic and so on and all and all whole bit. And saying letters, put your name to letters, they'll get sent to the government to protest, etc. All that kind of, that's pro- torching businesses and people's homes. And, and the black neighborhoods too, it's just incredible. Folk have got nothing left. And then, and then the media, again, this, this clique, this small clique that owns all the media, <laughs> telling you that just protests. Come on here, huh? They're at war with, with the general population, the people who own America, obviously. <laughs> really obviously. And I don't trust the FBI at all. Not at all. Because they've already shown, especially that this whole thing with Donald Trump, I'm not political when it comes to politicians, but there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're completely all out to get Trump and, and to set him up and all the rest of it. So how can you even have an institution that, again, is private? It's a private institution. It's like, and the government takes it on as an agency, but it's a private institution. 
if you can't trust them, you can't trust them on anything. Honestly, I mean, that's how I see things. If something is so corrupt, they can target people uh, that they're told to target and, and bring down. When they've done nothing wrong, just because they're targeted for political purposes or something, then should you have it existing at all? Really? Huh? And they come out and tell you who they target. But again, they're, 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 they're completely in bed with other supposed anti-racist groups that, that are the real racists. The real racists. We know this. And how come none of them mention, as I've said before, the lists that are published of, of all the big corporations that are funding the people who have spoken about overthrowing America? <laughs> how come the FBI is investigating these CEOs of these companies and these corporations? And so, How come? You would get a knock on the door if you, if you, you know, were, were associated with a terrorist group. If folk can't go out their homes because of terrorism in the streets, that's terrorism. Terrorism is terrorism. It's not protesting. Protesting doesn't, doesn't terrify people. So reality gets changed as, as it happens. Everybody's getting gaslighted. By the media, oh this, and you see, you, <laughs> there was one where you see the fellow talking, young guy talking about just general protest. He says, and behind them there's buildings and cars and everyone burning. You know, that's no protest. Eh? And all this nonsense again by some of the mayors saying, oh well, you know, they've all got insurances companies. No, they don't. And and insurance doesn't pay everything out either. So let's not even go into this this nonsense, you know. But when you see people who literally <laughs> are not wealthy, you know, a lot of me would even call middle class these small places, you know, standing in front of ashes and getting attacked by people if, if they try to defend their property. That old fellow is seventy odd year old. Eh? You don't care about people. These are terrorists. These are homicidal terrorists when they do that. That's what you're watching. We all know it. We all know it. Of course we do. And the world's watching America, and and, the, and you come to the conclusion that this is meant to happen, because so far, not, nothing much has been done to stop it. The police have been told to stand down by mayors. In fact, some of them were told not to even have pepper spray on them, so what they're left with. The National Guard is getting muzzled again, too. And you have to say to yourself, is America really so weak now? Or we're watching some kind of prearranged plague on the go, like a drama, like a fictional drama, where everybody plays their part. I mean, you've got Pelosi there <laughs> saying, and Hillary too, that they're not going to accept the election if Trump wins. Well, that again is insurrection, you see. The whole idea of having any pretense of a democracy, even though it's a republic, it's a democratic republic, you're given a vote. But the pretense of it, right, is that two, at least two parties, the, bi the bi-party system, uh, can uh, debate and, and slang each other, but they always have negotiations. That's how, it's, it's not open warfare <laughs> like it is now, right? 
So when you when you open warfare and they're telling you there's no debate here and we're not going to go along with whoever appears to win, then uh, we're going to do it. The whole world's watching this. And, and it will be interesting because, as I mentioned before, these generals in the U.S., a few of them, they're all in the payroll of the military-industrial complex. They're retired or semi-retired and so on. And, and so they obviously know that regardless, the world will morph into another part, like a combination of countries again, with maybe America doing a lesser role, but they'll get well paid by the Because the military machinery will continue uh, for manufacturing weaponry. It's a big business, you see. And you can always stir up countries to, 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 to saber-rattle and fight each other if you need be. So you can always do that. So... Are they in on it? Is this all part of an act? Because as I say, I'm, I'm looking outside, from outside looking inwards in, at the U.S. And, and I know lots of people in the States who are completely puzzled by it all. Outside these burning cities. And a lot of them too are, are still watching the news. And they're the, the, the protest. They're kind of out of it. They protest and protest. They don't, they, don't, they don't even know what's going on, some of them. Really. Because the mainstream media will, will, make, will, give you, will gaslight you totally, C- completely gaslight you, until you'll, you'll doubt your own sanity if, if it comes down your street. And it can't be what, what I'm seeing, no, because the media would be mentioning, well, it's a peaceful protest. But no, again, even the leaders have come out of these organizations, and we know what they are. <laughs> They've said what they are and what they want. It's overthrow. And the youngsters falling or shouting, revolution, revolution, revolution. And since you haven't been given a manifesto, like a logical manifesto of those who are the revolutionaries that want to take over, uh, well, they don't have something to replace it with as such, except heavens to be free. I mean, come on, this is a childish thing. It's, It's meant to go off in some other direction, obviously. It has to be. The people in the streets are not the bosses of this thing. <laughs> There's much higher higher actors above all them. So they must know where it's supposed to go. Interesting, too, that article in the paper about uh, uh, Syria, where northern Syria, where the, the U.S. is still in there, and they have, they have some special forces, or Marines maybe, uh, or Green Berets, um, who were in a military vehicle, and they were kind of nudged or, or, or just dunted by a Russian military vehicle. And the impression we give to the world is that the big boss is losing its power. This is it's kind of a macho thing. It's, I don't fall for these, these articles. It's meant to make you think that the U.S. is kind of falling behind and becoming not so, the, not so much the big swaggering guy, you see. It's a macho thing. But by the same token, it's true But northern Syria. And Donald Trump said it a while back, remember, it says, when they were taking some of the troops, it says, well, we've still got the oil. It, well, no, they're stealing the oil. This is Syria's oil. <laughs> and they've been stealing it, you see, which is generally what the military is used for, for corporations to steal something elsewhere. Because it's true, that's what the military is used for. And the U.S. isn't asked in by the, by the Syrian government. They're there illegally. And the Russian vehicles uh, are policing it. They're, they are invited in by Syria. That's true. I don't think the folk in America or anywhere else have got a clue of the carnage and the horror 
and slaughter and destruction that the U.S. has been has been been at since at least two thousand and one, but before it, I say even with Desert Storm, with countless folk losing their families, starved to death, bombed to death, can't get any peace. Years, can you imagine most of your life having no peace and afraid of, of getting bombed out? And it's all at the hand of our American forces. Why are Americans over there anyway? Long-term planning strategies. Very old strategies. I, I gave the talks many years ago about uh, when Ronald Reagan brought on um, to his staff was it Jean Kirkpatrick? She was she was trained communist. She went to the communist school in New York City. That yeah, that they had communist schooling in New York City. That was the headquarters for America. And uh, he brought her on board because he liked an idea. So here's Reagan playing the right wing, bring her on board to staff because she said rather than the U.S. going off to intervene in different countries and then pulling out and going back to other countries and pulling out and back, back and forth. Let's just make permanent bases across all these different nations. And that's what they did. So they brought communists on board. To put, who obviously had a communist agenda, if you like, communist agenda. Uh, that's just suited the right wing, isn't it? So it, it makes you question everything. What is your right wing? What is the system of left wing? Who runs both sides? Eh? And then they become the policemen of the world with all these permanent military bases across the planet. Who's benefiting? Never mind that, well, sure, the companies, corporations all over the benefit, but also the big banks are too. The big banks are benefiting. Of course they are. And if you can control every, every nation's Federal Reserve System, if you like, which isn't, like the U.S. isn't even theirs. It's owned by their folk. They're privately owned. Then you control the nations and the flow of goods and the costs of goods because you decide what the cost of their currency is going to be by the day for purchasing power and transactions. We live so, we really are in our little cocoons, aren't we, of, and little bubbles of ignorance, right? And you can't blame society. Again, it's they always talk about evolution and how we're not used to, to really advanced circumstances. We still think in small towns, tribalism in a sense. And that's quite natural. So because we're still small town tribal, as an example, Everything has to be on the up and up. Others, you go nuts with paranoia. You crack up if you really know the real truth. <laughs> That's why most folk can't really handle the real truth. And how devious everything really is. Incredibly devious. And how little of what you, you just take for granted is there, is there for the reason that you thought it was there or even exists for the reasons that you think is there in the first place. Really doesn't. You think the education system is your government's attempt at, at giving you the opportunity to make a good career for yourself? Do you really believe that? 
when there's agencies that literally pick children at school and, and decide who future leaders of your nation will be. Not just in politics, but in civil service jobs and in, in pressure groups and even non-governmental organizations. They pick them young and they train them, like the Common Purpose Organization based in England, but it's for the whole of Europe. So you have people that you're going to vote for that are pre-selected as children who are trained to be devious and to lie quite happily without blinking to the cameras and be awfully pleasant. They're given acting lessons too. And then you vote for them. Then you wonder why they go off on some strange tangent, like like agreeing to sell your country out to amalgamate it with some other country. <laughs> you never quite fathom it out, do you? That's how the world is, because we still think very simply, like a tribal little village, eh? And it's so complicated and devious. Uh, you can't spend your whole life looking at the multi-layered system of deception. And it's some movies they put out, mind you, are awfully good, where they do come out with tricks of the trade and how everything's negotiations, uh, including... Um, like a chess game. Uh, everything is, uh, we want this, so we'll give you that. And you can trade off little bits and pieces or even chunks of countries eh? uh, in negotiations. But never tell the public the real truth. Never tell them the real truth, what's going on. You're left with the results and, and the mayhem and the chaos, but you'll never know the real truth. And if you look at <laughs> the Communist Party of America... And it talks years ago on how they use different groups to try to foment revolution. The Communist Party, uh, I, I don't know if they still do it, but they probably do still churn out books from their printing presses in New York City. And I've got some here from old, the old days, you know, going way back. And um, everything, in fact, that, that was printed in Russia, they'd have uh, English copies printed in New York and, 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 and distributed in New, from New York. And there was no shame on what they were doing and what their goals were, which is a complete eradication of the existing system. It's always the same thing, they tell you. To put themselves in charge, uh, to rule you, you see. Not to make things happier or better for you, but to rule you properly, you see. Where you just jump to it. And, like technocracy, it's awfully efficient. Get things done, experts rule, you obey, and, and there's a whole system in place to make sure you obey. Uh, what tyrant would, 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 would not lust after that idea? I mean, it's, that's what it's about, you see. But they always have to get the public on board. And this is, see, the first casualty of war is, is, is the truth, always. So communism, of course, was going to make a worker's paradise. Eh? And uh, give you a uto- it's always utopia. Everything's going to be free or cheap or whatever. And it's nothing to do with the truth. But, but they're told this, by the way. I've, I've got the old books, and that's to tell the, their operatives and organizers to tell the, to promote this infantile projection of a happy utopia where everything's just wonderful and you all get whatever you want and blah, blah, blah. But the higher-level groups are, are led in on the, on the inner secrets because the general public are despised by those above them, like, like a real-class system. That's the truth of it, folks. Utterly totally despised. 
And again, to the real truth of it, again, it's really technocracy, that, that, that whole system of technocracy, which is efficiency by an, a, a planned society run by experts. No, de- no democracy. There's no such thing as democratic voting or anything. And no parties, just the party. And that really is the idea behind it. And, of course, when it comes to everyone according to their needs, then if you're part of the upper strata of the Politburo, your needs are obviously greater because your, your brain power is greater. And so you should have a lot more of everything else. You know, it's wonderful. So that's the kind of stuff that they, they always push. But it's interesting to see the different levels of... of uh, it's a secret society, really. You know, an outer, an outer propaganda for the general population. Yeah, the working person is going to get you know better wages, and then you get up to the next strata. And well, like George Bernard Shaw said, it says the working guy, because that's that's who they appealed to in the early twentieth century. The working guy. Yeah. He's got a lot to learn. He says, says Shaw. He says, he says. He wants to bring more home, more money home to his wife. He doesn't realize he probably won't have a wife. We're going to get her into the workforce too to serve the state, you see. Yeah. So he was cautioned to shut up a bit and go back to the primitive st- Oh, yeah, it's all going to be utopia. And, <laughs> uh, and they tried in Germany big time too to get the revolution there. And they were so disappointed. The same people who, who brought it for the Soviet Union, uh, for Russia, uh, were, were trying, trying to get revolutions all through World War One, and to, towards the end too. And they tried it, in fact, and it, it failed. But uh, it didn't stop there. But there was they had to change their tactics. And they wrote a lot, a lot about it in the communist books that, that they were so disgusted by the working people of Germany, so disgusted that the 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 because they says why would the working people go and fight the working folk of other countries that still had this thing in them that would serve the state, this idea of the nation state and the people instead of just joining the, the workers revolution in the world and and that appealed to a lot of people even after World War I absolutely because why the heck were they throwing people, their whole nations together but then you go into the writings of, of, about uh, from the Lord Alfred Milner group they wanted World War this is through, through world war and conflict, which we were able to bring the countries into, into a, a global system after you've weakened them all and be so sick of fighting. H.G. Wells was a propagandist of him. He talked about it quite openly in his books. So war was a necessary uh, technique they would use to weaken people and to make them disgusted about their, and to make them question their value systems until they gave up. And allowed themselves to be guided into a, a preordained new system. <laughs> you see, it's it's never stopped. And the people at the top really are not doing it because they love you. Not in the least. They're Malthusian types. They're eugenicists. The, the Soviet system um, really. When you really go into their right, their own writings, you talk about a class system. Whoa. And uh, the, the, and the Bolsheviks hated the co- hated the common people. And a lot of the Bolsheviks, remember, didn't even, weren't even Russian. Hated them. So it's interesting you watch. Sometimes the descendants of revolutionaries, the, the great grandchildren, perhaps, 
doing the same thing in, in the streets and across the U.S. Coming from the same sources, and Chicago is an example, where a lot of them had, had books out. Some of their parents had books out who were revolutionaries in the 1960s in the States, and they put books out talking about them. And they loved to put their memoirs out, you know, when they've raked in their millions of dollars, these communists, and talked about them being red, red diaper babies. That's a common expression they used. They were raised on communism, the idea of revolution. So it's always been there, but uh, but it, but as I say, their idea of communism is a deception. It's a deception. Communism is full of fronts, and in, it in, in, in itself it is a front, in fact, for something else. And we have prattled on about that for quite some time. Getting back to the, the point as we're under a war scenario. COVID is the war. It brings in rationing down the road. This is going to be a bad winter, folks. Uh, war brings in restriction of travel. You won't be allowed to, to, to travel very far, if at all, if you're not essential. And that's the same techniques they use under warfare. In, in Britain, you had essential workers, you had uh, reserved occupations, they called it too, if, if it was necessary for the state. Like miners didn't have to go to war, coal miners, because they fueled the country. As all the heat then even was, was coal and powered the factories for munitions and all the rest of it, and the ships. So they, they could be exempt. A lot, a lot of them didn't leave regardless and lied about their occupation and got into the military because, again, they felt patriotic which is a natural thing in any country. So we're in a war scenario now. You must curtail travel, uh, gasoline for fuel for, for traveling if you have a vehicle, a motorbike or, or um, a car. And again, replace it with bicycles, which are fine for youngsters, but even they can't travel too far on them. You see, it helps that way. You couldn't go like 50 miles a day unless you're a super athlete. And even then, um, you won't be allowed to travel outside certain areas in a wartime scenario. This is a wartime scenario. It's a war against the, the great COVID. Oh. And you've got to wear face masks instead of gas masks, you see. And, and you've got to be with it. It's going to be with you all times, or you'll be fined and, or maybe put in prison and if you refuse to, to have it with you. Or, of course, that's what it did in Britain. You have to have it with you. Uh, he would get to wear the, the mask. And it cuts off our communication with other people until everybody's on edge. Because you're supposed communication is, is also visual. With, as I say, with the, with the facial nuances and, and so on. Uh, that puts you at ease in any environment you're in as you go along through the day. Without it, with a mask, the, the, the first thing is, oh, something dangerous is going on. Everybody looks furtive, and this is all psychological warfare. That's, that's the whole purpose of it, and compliance, you see. And it's awfully good at suffocating you. you know. that's, that's what it really does awfully well. Your, your, your nose is there to bring in oxygen. If nature wanted you to be suffocated, it, it would close off your nostrils. So they give you masks to do it instead. And if there's a real disease out there, you would, you'd all have it so badly. If there's a really bad disease, like a real deadly killer, high killer, it'd be terrible because no one can wear a mask. You can go into any store and watch the shopkeepers. 
their, their fingers are at their nose the whole darn time, back and forth, back and forth. And if there's any bacterium going, th- getting, going through the moisture of the cloth or the paper, and it does, it, it travels that way. It's capillary action, they call it. And um, okay, it's osmosis kind of thing. It, it'll, yeah, it's, it isn't just moisture going through that mask from your breath to the outside. It would bring in bacteria or viruses with it. You see what I'm saying? This this is known. It's, going, it's a dangerous thing if society wore this. And you go to store, even food stores and you'll see their their hands. The people are at the nose the whole time as they're handling the foods. They can't help it. They pull it away all the time because the moisture blocks up the pores in it and they can't breathe. It suffocates you. So it's a complete joke and a lie for a different purpose of compliance, you see. Subservience. Warfare. And in warfare you get rationing. Well, this winter will be bad. They've shut down the meat plants because they want to post uh, meat world. They want uh, really a, a vegan society if possible. Although, again, Bill Gates and others, the same characters, always the same characters, have got the patents on your veggie burgers and things like and meat substitutes. And even some of the companies that did the art, actually uh, lab-grown meat, eh? that we talked about for years. And, and here they come into play again. For, and the wealthy will have everything they want, as always. Just like Julia mentioned in 1984. Those, those bar stewards have everything at the top. Nothing changes eh, during deception. Wartime scenario. Restrictive diets, restrictive travel, restrictive freedoms. Uh, snooping by all government agencies. Uh, orders that you must follow all the time. Um, and uh, another thing I'll, I'll mention too about this winter of discontent is definitely getting brewed. I mean, Hancock's already doing these nonsense in Britain. This this disgusting critter uh, of a politician uh, doing what he's told. Uh, and he's, this, you know... <laughs> Oh, you know, it's going to be a, there's going to be a massive spike happening this winter. He's getting them all ready for it in Britain. And I'm sure every country has got their Hancocks ready to do the same thing, or maybe even starting now. Because they're all getting their orders from the same con men, you know, the, the big gang at the top. But one thing I'll tell you, and this, this is what you can take to any bank that's still left standing or open. I live near, very near train tracks. And these trains... This is the main tracks that go to north here in Ontario. I have never seen so many trains. It's been so slack in trains for years and years and years because of the, the financial systems and the crash of the 2007 and eight and so on. You might get two trains a day sometimes. Sometimes there was none. Literally slowed right down to nothing. In the last six weeks, I'd say, maybe a bit longer, Maybe seven weeks, seven or eight weeks, say. I've been getting dozens a day. And the heaviest trains I've ever seen. I'm used to, I've seen the doubled up containers on trains before, sure. But, and I've had years and years and years ago, I know that they had heavy trains. These things are miles long and they're so frequent and that the house shakes with them. And these trains are going north. Now, it's not because there's a massive abundance 
of sales on the go, you know that everything's collapsing. It's not because that there's um, a special sale on uh, whatever. It's not because there's a special sale on some store in the Sudbury, for instance. It's, it's going way beyond Sudbury. Th- these trains, I, I lost my refrigerated units, and also um, the heavy goods units, and also <laughs> whole trains of propane for fuel. These are going to the big base ups way north in Ontario. Uh, and there, there's a few in, in the north of Canada, but this is a big one in Ontario. And uh, there's a huge centre at the top, too, for, for the NORAD group, you know, and uh, NORTHCOM as well. But also, it's like they have underground uh, places reserved for them. These are underground cities, just like the ones under, uh, was that big airport in the States? There's other ones as well, in Apache Mountain and so on. But they definitely have a huge one up north, and they're stacking them up for continuity of government and for VIPs. You're talking about something that's planned that might take years. This isn't just a, a COVID thing. This is something much bigger. And uh, it could be in preparation for it, uh, regardless. So they're certainly doing it. This is not going into a, a place like Sudbury because there's sudden like, like sales on all over the place, which they're not. The stores, some of the stores in Sudbury, uh, they got the source, for instance. The source is um, a, a subsidiary company of what used to be Radio Shack. They don't sell much except just that gadgetry now. I mean, actual finished gadgets as opposed to components and things. You know, a little place like that, you can have maybe three of a staff, and they're only at two people in at a time and to walk around the store. Yeah. And no one goes in because of it. And lots of the stores are the same. So folk don't enjoy going out or walking around with masks on anyway and, and then being watched and then folk shouting over tannoy systems in supermarkets, you know, stay in line and six feet apart and, yeah, etc. Brave new world, eh? <laughs> so yeah, these trains are really stocking up somewhere big time for long, long term. Um, existence of somebody in some peoples of the important folk, not for us, of course, because it's continued. I can remember they did that years ago, too, when Margaret Thatcher was in. I've done it a few times, actually, and they have these places, and had a few in, in England. They, at the time, in Britain, at least, they talked about them uh, during the particular time that Thatcher was in. Folk don't realise there was a big push on then with Thatcher and Reagan to try to bring an end to the Cold War with the Soviet Union. That's when the, the movies were put out called Threads and so on and continuity of government during this. But they showed you documentaries too because the US was had big bases put into Britain. Uh, they put in these massive fortified places around Loch Ness to, to, to destroy the countryside, <laughs> things like that. Um, for the military to to to, to try and, and and remain actually after to get through a nuclear war, I and mean, Scotland was going to be sacrificed pretty well, in the hope that that they'd send a lot of missiles there rather than send them towards London. That's how they worked out the strategy, and they had all these different programs on the go of sustainability after a, a nuclear attack, 
and how many they didn't allow peasantry, they didn't allow to to to, to stay existing uh, and, and after an attack, you know. No kidding you. But the whole country it, it was it would be allowed to fall completely if they realised they couldn't stop an invasion at Britain that might eventually go to America. So they did literally, and had the, the U.S. Air Force and the, and the military practicing all the time in Britain for these events. Well, it, it got to supposedly um, a crisis point because they build up crisis points. They always blame the enemy or the supposed enemy to to, to start it, but not in reality they start it themselves. It's, it's really propaganda for the public and to get into the newspapers. Then the Soviets would read, oh my God, the, the, the Americans are at it again, you know, and in your papers you get the opposite story. But uh, I can remember when the, the Britain was on high alert and they had Harrier jump jets, these are these, these vertical takeoff jets that the RAF uh, used, and uh, they would, some of the two-man ones could pick up a couple of people, uh, they could cram them in if you're careful, but that list of VIPs, very important people to pick up, in Scotland and England and Ireland, Northern Ireland and Wales, all over. So, so these they all had their lists who you pick up, and helicopters would pick up the other ones too, and deliver them to, to select underground bases. Which, by the way, used to they used to be all be on the maps. At one point, they're on the <laughs> they had naval ones too, but they're on the maps at one time. And then after I think about two, the year two thousand, uh, someone. Um, went around looking to these bases. They'd all been taken off the maps, but they still existed. They still were manned. But anyway, once for Thatcher, uh, she was questioned about it and says, well, we're all going to get sacrificed and you guys are going to end up getting taken into these these huge underground bases. Some of them actually had, but literally were set up to last 10 to 15 years and longer with foodstuffs and energy supplies. Some of them had small nuclear reactors. I think Toshiba made them. The company Toshiba, they were tractor trailer levs. They could, they could keep a place going for years. And you could wheel them away and then replace them again. Like transport trailer size, eh? But Margaret Thatcher was quite, yeah, she, she says, yeah, she says, so what? She says, the important people, the continuity of government must, must, must continue. And so, meaning that all of the folk, the, the ordinary folk were, were going to be sacrificed on the surface. Eh? And that was a different story again. What was to happen then? Two, they, they have select military and, and gear occasionally going out there and destroying folk who were looting and so on, in case the ones down below the ground had to come up and get anything extra that they'd missed or whatever. But, but yeah, it came out in the papers that, uh, yeah, after, after Thatcher and the rest of the captains were all inside these bunkers and the VIPs were inside, uh, then special forces would guard them until they themselves would come inside as well. That hasn't changed. That really hasn't changed. So it's the same with this one too, you see. The exercise with the COVID, these bunkers are completely stocked up and some of them are five levels deep, you know. They're, they're really underground cities. And um, whatever is planned, as I say, whatever it is, is, is this is a major change. It's a wartime scenario. Uh, they're using COVID to terrify the public. They want chaos in the streets. There's no doubt about that. And they'll get it, obviously. You won't need Antifa to do it. Uh, if you go through a winter 
of 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 massive rationing and restrictions until there's no food, and you're going to get your street riots. Sure, you will. Uh, and I'm just wondering if that's the game here, because there's some something else on the go here. There's no doubt about it. I've never seen so many heavy, heavy, heavy trains, with, with some of them are miles long, with quite a few engines all stuck in between the slave engines, you know. So, yeah, someone's going to go, because there's not much north of me. <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy guys. So, as I say, winter of discontent. And when you see the incredible wartime scenarios to, to even bring out this COVID wartime scenario on us, and all the folk involved in it, the standardization of all media, all propaganda, complete onboard agenda here. Uh, this is a big, big push for, for a massive change. You've got to understand that. And often, as I said, with intelligence services and how what really runs the world, is, it won't be what you expect. You've got to get this out of your head, that your government is there to look after you. I hope you got that rid of that long ago. <laughs> I think that's one, the one thing that Ronald Reagan said that was really true. He said that serving Americans in his day, he says that the most feared thing that Americans worried about ever happening to them was for people to come to their door saying, we're from the government, we're here to help you. Because it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. What ha- what's happening now is some very, very big, it's a planned change for society, big time. And whatever is to come out of it um, is intended to be a, a different world. A different world. It's a world order, remember. Kissinger said it too. It's a new world order once again, eh? A few weeks ago there. So anyway, we're living through big, big changes, and most folk don't get it. They don't know it, and they'll never fathom it out because they listen to the media every day to keep them in a state of temporary suspension of reality where you suspend your reason and your incredulity, you know. You, you just go into oh, oh, zombie land, and, and then you react, you panic. That's what they want. And all experts come in all the time to, to, to lie to you. And and, to, and anybody who says the facts, even when you're simply repeating what they've said themselves from the media, uh, if you bring them up and point out contradictory facts, put out by officials as well, then you're a conspiracy theorist. And they actually go through that in their training exercise at 201, talking about how they'll label for conspiracy theorists and fake news. Uh, what a world, eh? No wonder the public really don't have much of a chance most of the time when when they are decent. Most of the people are decent. I don't care who they are, what ethnic groups they belong. Most folk are pretty decent. There are no, there's no ethnic group out there that's all decent, obviously. And you have psychopaths and all ones. You have dysfunction in lots of people too, in lots of families. Because this war on the family has been across the board and has been on the go for an awful long time. The public are just as ignorant of that. They thought they were just evolving and progressively, as they call it. <laughs> well, we're evolving, you know. We're, we don't get marriages, married as often as we used to. When I was youngster, too, my generation was pretty well dysfunctional with that. We were hammered as well. With that was that was the, the oh, suddenly the, the birth control pill 
which oddly was called the contraception pill. Uh, it, it really was an anti-contraception pill. And uh, the scientists had worked for years and years using tax money to bring it in in time for the sexual revolution. Once, once they had it, they launched the sexual revolution. And then, then you had the National Health Service fulfilling its real goals of abortion. <laughs> I mean, that was all over the place. And, um, and folk don't, don't even know that was a big, big part of it. There's always another reason for, for, for things to happen, even the good things, you know. Always another reason behind it. The general public think that, they truly believe that everything's there to serve them. That society is there to, to serve them, that the, the governments are there to serve them. No, 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 not at all. I think there was, in Canada, the head who, guy who started up the, the push for the health system in, in Ontario here, or in Canada, there was, again, another kind of communist who also was, was for depopulation and abortion. <laughs> In Britain, at the National Health Service, they had specific days in each each hospital. Each hospital in different areas would have their days for routine operations, for instance, like, like ulcers, peptic ulcers, things like that. Something in the morning and something else in the afternoon. So their specific days were fixed. But they, they each each hospital had, had their, eventually had their abortion days, you know. And that's when the surgeons would be there and they'd, they'd just sit there and... Uh, and scoop the bits into your buckets all day long, one after the other. That's what they did. That was your, that's your tax money at work there. Because to, from the elite's point of view, you're always the problem. Above any system that you think is there to serve you, there's always this whole, th- what, what is it really there for? You're being managed, like, like farmed. I say, they're always farming you up in this big, long-term wars. Uh, scheduled, and you're killed all. And even then, World War Two, you know, that the meeting in the last year of the war in Britain and London, and I think that, that it was, they even had the king presiding over it as the kind of head, the titular head for, for the meeting, and it was to do with population control. They said there was the war wasn't. They knew then that the war wouldn't kill enough people off, even with the aftermath of the war. I mean. Across Europe, certain countries were shattered with war, shattered, and just like World War One too, and, and massive damage in cities and famine and all the rest of it. And again, I've already mentioned what happened with the British farming system, how it was destroyed pretty well, and it imported most of its food, how ridiculous that was that. And then they had to farm every little bit of available gutter, or sorry, every, every available ditch or whatever in Britain to grow vegetables. They are exporting the stuff to all the other countries that were being in the war. The British folk were starving up until they went in the 50s. So you got to realize, that, as I say, that, that those who rule you are always Malthusian at heart. One of the proponents for massive depopulation and open, openly open about it was Prince Philip, the head of the Sierra group and, and many other groups as well, all combined together to love nature as a, as a guise. And they take the best farming lands in some countries across Africa and other places and turn them into reserves, which causes a food shortage. You can't get the best the grazing land and so on. And then you don't give these countries much of a chance to become stable. 
Remember, the, one, the first thing you do for a country to destroy the country and take over, destabilize the country. That's what the communist revolutions are used for too, you see. Destabilize the nations yeah? within. And then keep them on edge. When the U.S. at the moment is still a big, big nation, right? But you take enough, if they have enough cities, if, if they can bus or even fly, by the way, some of the, the top organizers back and forth to these different areas, because they're so, they've got millions of dollars behind them in funding. <laughs> um, if they can keep it going long enough, you'll just start to destabilize the, the, the different cities. I mean, destabilize them, you won't get them finances coming in from any business at all. And they're locked down with COVID at the same time, right? This is destabilization process. This is what it's called. Once you get to a certain point of, of crisis all over the place, you, you aren't going to get out ever building back again. People will not move into an area where they've fled from fear of their lives because of the authorized chaos. I'm, and it is authorized when you've got mayors not joining them at times and saying, go ahead and loot and hold. Well, of course, people, that's the end of you. That's the end of your, your city, folks, or that area of your city. That's the end of it. Who's going to go back there and live? To wait for it to happen again or build up another one to watch it burn down too. It's not going to happen. It's destabilization with a permanent uh, future plan, you see, by people way above the rioters as to what's supposed to happen. Wartime scenarios, you're living through them. Massive psychological warfare and gaslighting, but on the TV, <laughs> nothing much happening, and if just fires behind the guy and gunshots going off. So, they're not going to stop here. Something big, much bigger is planned. Much, much bigger, as I say. And I'm sure that there are people in the States and other parts of Canada who have noticed, if they live close to tracks at all, this massive, massive movement now of, of transport of goods going somewhere, um, one directional, basically. It's all going north of me. And if, if, you, if you are, get in touch with me. Email me and let me know what, you, what you're noticing. This is how you, you, you get real intelligence, is, is from people. You, know, you, you have to get their own observations. That's the most important stuff, is your own observations of differences, things that are happening. Very, very important. Because you're not going to get truth from television. That's totally complicit, the TV, in every country and terrorizing its own population into the same agenda. We've all, we've all, we're all going through the same lies. And really, when they used to show you this in comedies you know, or, or, or talk shows, like the Jay Leno show or something, where they'd show you someone in a newscast saying about three sentences, blah, 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 blah. then they'd flash to another station saying exactly the same, blah, 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 and one after the other to show you how standardized they all are, regardless of the names of the company or, or television, all getting this part in the same nonsense. Again, standardization of news, of information, all from a singular source and repeating it over and over. And it must be true. You know, it's on TV. Wag the dog. So you have to really think about the, the whole war. It's an ongoing war. It didn't just start. Different phases of the same war, really, and different techniques being used. But, yeah, you, at the end of World War Two. okay, not enough folk were killed. Well, what do you do then? 
uh, and they, they immediately started off with propaganda. Or that there'll be baby boomers. They even called the, the name back then, right? Baby boomers before they were born. Or there'll be baby boomers. And so that in 50, 60 years' time, there'll be a tremendous burden on society trying to cope with illnesses and old age problems and stuff like that, you see. And they, this, this escalated as time went on, that same kind of propaganda. Uh, the, the message is loud and clear. There's too many of you, too many of you. And how do you get people to, to, to stop breeding? Well, you've got you to, gotta, remember, breeding is a part of it, you know? Everyone can have sex, but to actually breed children, a different story. That was the goal. Well, you, well, you create promiscuity. You say, well, that's the opposite. Well, that, that's going to be, no, promiscuity uh, without bonding. That, they said it in the different schools of thought that were put together to create a new culture post-World War II. Actually, even during World War II, they amalgamated some of these, these organizations, including the Frankfurt School that came over from Germany. Before the war, and they were all for that too, because they were masters at <laughs> psychological manipulation and propaganda. But they, they merged with the Macy Group and were given permission to, along with with London, to create a new culture. And how did what did they do? Well, create promiscuity, and if you get the youngsters mating early, you see, for for sex, they wouldn't mate and bond. Just give them lots of partners who wouldn't bond once they hit their 20s and get married and have children. That was the idea behind it. So you create, it's so amazing that this how psychology works, isn't it? They do the opposite of what you'd think they'd do. Rather than say, just don't have sex, you see. It was much easier to say, no, go, yeah, yeah, listen, children, have sex. Enjoy yourselves. And that's what they did. They gave you pop music, you see. Before that was the Teddy Boy stuff, the Elvis Presley stuff. And then they, they brought in, and so they sexified guys for the first time. Elvis Presley was called Elvis the Pelvis. I mean, that was his nickname. It was almost like a guy going through gyrations of strippers, the later strippers. And it was all taught to him as well. I remember watching a documentary years ago where, they, where they, the guys who trained guys like Elvis Presley and a few other people besides them, I think Johnny Cash is one of them, there was actually one guy who trained a whole bunch of them and made them. See, it's a star-making machinery. You decide who's going to be a star, and they make them stars. Big money to make you a star. And they showed you a counterpart, and even a friend of his, of this particular producer, trainer in, in England, who taught Cliff Richard and a few other people as well. Uh, Brown was another one, and and some other guys in the 50s, I guess. And made them stars same, using the same techniques. They sexified the guys for the first time with techniques and deportment that at one time would have turned people off, uh, <laughs> including guys off, uh, watching guys behave like that. It was really interesting to see how it was done. So you sexify, so you give, you give women, young girls, huh? impressionable young girls, um, the, the whole idea of, of having these guys. That's how you see the young girls crying and going hysterical. I, I love them so much, you see, and these are all the fans. And uh, yeah, they would have done anything. So this is the ideal guy that they want, not not the guy they could get and marry down the road, but this guy here, you see, this fantasy image. They even did good documentaries years later on some of this and how, how it works without telling you what they're really doing it for, or the real reasons they're, what they're doing it for. It worked awfully well. The Frankfurt School said that, that they, 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 would in, they intended 
through promiscuity to end the bonding process. If they could separate the sexual act with bonding, then they will have succeeded because then the, the, the women wouldn't bond and have a child with anybody. And then, of course, they offered them abortion down the road. Um, and that's where we are today. They have many other ways of contraception, actually. But the whole point is not to mate and bond. H.G. Wells was way ahead of his time. I've mentioned this before because he he mentioned it long before anybody else that uh, uh, promiscuity was a technique that would be used and, and people should to end marriage. Along with the communists, the communism want to end the marriage and the family too, by the way. Same agenda down the road. It's, a, it's, a, it's astonishing that folk can't see. If it's the same, it's, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same as the capitalist group. Uh, what really is the difference? Or are they really different at the top? Well, you find out they're not really, you know. It's the one group running them all. I used to really wonder, too, when MI5 is an example. And I know that the OSS, it was there during World War II, up until into World War II as well. You already had the Secret Service, you know, in Britain, the Special Operations, Operations Executive, SOE. But the OSS in Britain at the time, and they brought in communists from Europe, they spoke the languages of Europe and so on, and they worked with the, the, the group, the Secret Service in Britain, and what became MI5, and... Um, George Orwell was was part of that. He was a member of it. Uh, Lord Bertrand Russell was a member of it. The author of Darkness at Noon was a member of it. Uh, and quite a few other people too. They were members, actually sworn members. They were inducted into it, the official secret site. They had to obey by the rules to an extent and so on. But sometimes they would have parties, you know. Uh, like dinner parties amongst themselves, things like that, and they'd meet their wives and all the rest of it. And and Bertrand Russell uh, was always hitting on other people's wives. He was a real egotist. The type who would taunt people and actually get them angry and make plays for their wives at the same time, a real one-upmanship type character, a very psychopathic, deviant character, a nuisance at these do's that they would, uh, would go to. But Arthur Kessler used to get ticked off and arguments would start, and the rest of them would try to separate the uh, almost ensuing fights as uh, Bertrand Russell made plays for Kessler's wife very openly, things like that. So, so here you have socialists, the, the strange um, British aristocratic socialist Bertrand Russell. Socialist in, in regards to the, he, had, he liked the class system, but he thought, again, like technocracy, that, that he and his own kind should rule it, you see. Uh, Kessler was really on the communist side of things, and he's working with the aristocratic socialists, and he's working with the capitalists in the same groups. You have George Orwell Blair, who himself was had been uh, uh, what would you call him really? He invaded another country, Spain, with other groups uh, to overthrow the governments, only to find out that the communist faction that he thought was in, was their friends of socialists had other ideas and and had a, eventually had him marked down for assassination. Because Orwell himself, or Blair, 
they, they tested them out. Communists always test people out, and if, these, if, they're, if they're good, strong speakers, etc., and they have enough communist tendencies and stick to the rule book, they can use them. But if this person has the same ability to speak and can attract people and sway people's minds, but isn't totally on board with the total communistic agenda, then he's, he will be an enemy. So you, they, they don't wait to see it happening. They eliminate him first. So he was marked down for elimination, and that's when he managed to get out of, of Spain. Uh, when he got tipped off, they were after him. But anyway, you have this, this mixed bag of people all fighting. What was then a common enemy, right? Which was National Socialism in Germany. And that's the difference in Germany. It was National Socialism as opposed to, to, to this, the front of Communism in Russia, Soviet Russia, which was an international socialism. Even though in, in reality, a lot of it became eventually very national socialistic in Russia, very nationalistic uh, movement. So, and in Britain, remember, and they all worked at the BBC, this group I'm talking about, for propaganda purposes, and they're all given different jobs to do. And I think Orwell himself or Blair was get put in charge of the India propaganda and other things domestic too, even right down to convincing British housewives to, to do, again, you're seeing it today. You know, isn't it amazing how they don't change anything? Orwell said his job was, was to convince British housewives to do these certain recipes they'd come up with and to eat things that possibly they should, and tell them it was so good for them, but in reality they shouldn't be eating it at all. Nothing's changed. Look at all the same propaganda they're using now, or during the COVID lockdowns. Hey, well, you might not get all the food you need, but here, now here's recipes. and Same techniques, just unroll the old scripts, eh? And away you go. So anyway, uh, here you have the, the post-World War II. They've had their meetings, depopulation. You've all got all these characters, these social leaders out there in front, still trying to guide the public into this new system which the communists hope would be more socialistic. And uh, in reality, I really think, I mean, here they're all working together, right? How could you possibly allow, and I even thought this with Karl Marx, how could you allow them into Britain to start with? And then say, well, what is this manifesto of yours, Karl? Well, you see, it's, and he goes through the, the planks of the manifesto and talks about elimination of the family units and things like that. And, and over the complete overthrow of the bourgeoisie, you know, uh, and the system, the ruling caste, if you might call it that way, uh, and bringing in the, the new form of uh, of uh, the, the working man's paradise, which is just a, a terror show, really, of compliance and scarcities. But why would you allow them into a country and then and then work with them? How could you work with them when you know that they're going to Kill you, <laughs> and then like wipeouts. The ruling—they're not going to try to convert you. They're going to wipe you out. That's what they talk about, wiping you out. Eh? Uh, and so you have to start. So wait a minute here. Are they both working together? And it's a different thing on the go. Is it, is it the same group running both sides? And I'm certain that's really what it is. Absolutely. More so. I'm getting way off the track. Even if there's any track left to stand on at all. But this is what I'm trying to say here, is there has to be a top commander running both sides. 
we know that the, 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 the Hegelian dialectic uses both sides to create a, a change, which is also a formulated plan change. You've got to have two sides to make the change. You had the Milner Group running everything out there. The Milner Group itself is a, a very strange, shady organization that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private organization with a royal charter to run and exist. With this inner party, outer party, and the higher party, of course, is so secretive as to their real agenda. And they, they, so they ran, the higher party runs MI5 and MI6 after the war. And just like the CIA branch in, in America, they, they shared their plans and their work, supposedly against the Cold War. The same group that had communists in it during the war uh, supposedly share information, CIA, MI5, MI6, right after the war. And they still got members who are communists in it, and they're going to fight with Russia, the Soviet. It doesn't make any sense, does it? really doesn't. And so what it's really about is nothing to do with whatever you'll figure out. I've said it before that um, the top government agencies uh, in all countries are all one today. They really are. You can't keep secrets from anybody. You can't even keep people out from another nation. It'd be discrimination, you see? So you can't keep the secrets, obviously. So it's all one. So you manage it as one. (laughs) That's what you do. And I think that's what it was planned to be. But, uh, yeah, we're supposed to be pals with communists, and at the same time, they've told you communism isn't there to be a coexisting part of the system. It's a part to be the system. They eliminate all the rest, like physically. (laughs) So how can you possibly work with them and coexisting? You you can't. They tell you in their manifesto they're not going to coexist with you. So something stinks, as I say, um when it comes down to what's happening in America today. There's a bigger plan at work, obviously. It, it takes cooperation with all the top media moguls, who are, who are also fund, part of the funders of, of the organizations. They're pretending they're, they're just having peaceful protests across America. And this is not, and I'm not going to go into this groveling denigration of, of, of the, the purpose or, or, or the, whole, the whole point of folk getting shot by cops. No, that's not what I'm talking about here. It's the ones who hijack it because they wait for these incidents and this is the year they picked for it. At the same time they're having COVID? Come on, that's a bit more. Why not, why not every single year the same? No, no. This is a wartime scenario with riots in the streets, lockdowns in different areas, your face mask thing, your loss of privileges and rights and all the rest of it. And that's, that's all. It's a wartime scenario, folks. And it's been hijacked uh, by people who are, who are told to hijack it. That's why I can say, especially when they're getting financed by the big corporations. They're the only big corporations allowed to still function. Everything else is closed down during this COVID thing. Isn't that another little coincidence there? Huh? Hmm? So, uh, no, something, this is a, a big change for society, and as Kissinger called it, a new world order. And don't think, that, uh, when he says a new world order, don't relate Kissinger to you saying, well, he's, he's, he's an American. Don't think that for an instant. You have no idea how these guys work. They're like aliens, <laughs> really, uh, in, in the plans that they'll have. They're so far, far uh, away from what you'd expect. And... Bertrand Russell said it, 
back in the 40s, you know, in the 50s, he said that when he was talking about the people through incredible indoctrination techniques managing the public through diet injections and injunctions, he said that's how they would control the people. He says he said eventually he says rebellion against those who rule them, who really rule them. Eh? He says rebellion would be unthinkable, as unthinkable as. Sheep being able to complain about the price of mutton, that's, that's his flippant way of putting it across. But he, he said eventually, he said, uh, w- with selective, notice breeding, special breeding between the, the upper c- classes and education of a reality, the, real, the true reality is getting it for the, the same class. He says, there'll be a pretty well a separate species of humanity, those who rule you, with all these professionals, you see being trained in all these techniques, who, who understand what's really going on. And you're at the bottom level, still living in, reading romance stories, if you're, a, a, you know, a, 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 as a child or something like that, and believing in it all. I mean, that's what he's really referring to. But he said that, yeah, it'd be just a sep- almost be classed as a separate species, because they'd select them for, for their good genes, uh, and successful genes, put it that way, huh? You remember what Darwinian theory was about too. It was it wasn't just the race, you know. It was about about those that had smiled on selective races, as opposed to some other races, eh? most favoured nations and favoured races. So you got to understand it's, it's still going on, a separate race. Well, look at the elite today. Look look at these 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 creatures that come forward like Bill Gates. A man who's got this great, the big machinery that creates the stars, that runs the world, created Bill Gates. He's not an inventor. He's a businessman. He inherited everything. He bought over everything else. He's a front man that like Zuckerberg and many others before him. And you're supposed to just give in onto your knees and ask this guy to save you all from something that that either he created or his group did. <laughs> his group would create, probably. And you're certainly going to benefit from it all. But it's, it's for a massive, complete world change. Always, you've got to think about this, folks. And I sit and think about China. I say, you know, was China sitting playing its part here? By terrifying us before, but we're supposed to... And then I give the nod to Fauci, better get him going in the States, now it's time to get him going and get him terrified, and away they went. Huh? Because Fauci, remember, and his organizations that he runs in the States, authorized the transference of that coronavirus over from North Carolina University to the Wuhan lab, and Fauci gave it okay for to get to pay them as well to get on with it. When they stopped this, when they said it was too dangerous to go any further with it inside the U.S. with this gain of function, give it to the Chinese to complete it. Well, they did complete it. It would seem, eh? And isn't it amazing? All the newscasts that that, that verified this information, actual official sites, right? It, like the, the the big spokespeople of the planet went along with this agenda. And admitted all this stuff initially, and now and then the same. Then they suddenly all retracted. Oh no, it probably just evolved by itself. That's that's the modern. That's the new statement now. Eh? That's also in that pandemic video. But that's what you're living through. Is, is incredible deceptions on every possible level. 
but yeah, a wartime scenario. Uh, different, different. Uh, look, look at the hammering in different groups inside the states and across the planet on, with drugs. The government can come down like a ton of bricks if, on anything you do that's supposedly illegal, but they just couldn't stop the drugs just flooding into the country. Meanwhile, the, the same governments have their, their, their secret service agencies in Latin America uh, getting all the coke that they, they can get and they're bringing the heroin from Afghanistan. Remember Bush here? And selling it in the streets of, of America and elsewhere to get money for black budgets, we're told. This is not conspiracy stuff. Remember the Oliver North fiasco? Drugs for guns, guns for drugs, and so on. <laughs> huh? That's only part of it. And they're still going on all that stuff with drugs, big black budgets. And it's also a great way to create destabilization in certain neighborhoods in America. Of course it is. And that's the legal drugs, supposedly, are legal drugs, right? And then you have the, the legal drugs. Look at that Canadian family that owned a massive, you know, oxycontin type drug type system. These oxycodone, etc. And, and the fact that they knew years before doing all the testing that it was be highly addictive, and they they planned on getting sued and all but down the road, but they could rake in billions on it, and they did. And that was legal, and that's prescribed all over the place. And they targeted places in Virginia with it, remember? And brought in doctors from India to prescribe in different places. And they were, they were, they were, no matter what you went in with, you come out with a prescription for Oxycontin and Oxycodone. Isn't that astonishing? The Diane Sawyers went there, I think. Did a documentary on it too, and then there's another one too. Diane Sawyer's documentary, I think it was called Hidden America, Children of the Mountains. Worthwhile seeing it. Another one too is a documentary uh, called uh, Oxiana, where they were flooding different parts of same areas with uh, Oxycontin and so on. Uh, it was all deliberate too. I mean, I did the articles at the time where uh, different agencies were investigating uh, the fact that little towns in those areas were bringing in millions and millions of doses every other month. <laughs> and no one questioned it. It was all deliberate, of course, to bring down and destroy. These are, these are tactics you use to destroy areas and societies and cultures in different parts, both white areas and in uh, the African-American areas as well. That's standard technique. It, it, it truly is amazing what we live through, and we can't put it together. When your own FBI <laughs> doesn't go anywhere near that, don't touch it. When you see how many children destroyed of all different ethnic groups too, specifically targeted, and the drugs flow in, and you watch the chaos and destruction and deaths. This is war. This is these are techniques of war. <laughs> If, if your system really wanted peace and stability, these things would stop. And then you would have programs of purpose put into these areas. You need purpose to exist. When you take away purpose, 
and self-respect, you're down the tubes fast. And you do anything to, to, to get a few minutes of sanity, or, or, or forgetfulness, not sanity, but forgetfulness, complete oblivion. And that's what they pay the drugs for the drugs, you see. That's what you get. This, these are war techniques. Massive destruction. All, all planned. And people profit from it way, way above you, including intelligence services and agencies. Nothing new in this, folks. Nothing new at all. And then again, remember, what Aldous Huxley talked about. Now, Aldous Huxley was a member of the inner group. He knew the agenda. He sat in on planning with his brother. Julian Huxley was a big planner of all this stuff. And Aldous Huxley talked about it in Brave New World. It wasn't some fantasy that just came into his head. And he talked about it. And Julian Huxley, the brother, was a bit more out with it because he worked for UNESCO and he was all for Planned Parenthood, you know, start killing off the, off the lower classes and so on and shape society under the guise of socialism and we're here to help you, haha. But he also said that we are part of the, the scientific class. This is the order. This is how they see society. You have the ones at the very top who are the financial elite. They are the true financial elite. These are not the guys down below who, who own a, a whole bunch of houses and streets and cities. No, these are the ones at the very top who own nations. That's what they're talking about there. And you have um, a dominant minority. That's how Aldous talked about it, a dominant minority. And beneath that, you, you have... What helps the dominant minority are the workers, the real workers. The workers are the are the managers, on behalf of the dominant minority. So the dominant minority have all the finances, and so on. they 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 just give occasional suggestions. It's all put into place by managerial classes that work it and make it all happen. Make it so, as they say, and they make it so. And uh, you, then you have a, an academic elite working with the scientific elite to manage all the general populations. And Huxley said, we're part of that. He says, that's his family's, that's his family's purpose, by the way. He says, we're part of the scientific elite. So his brother's into UNESCO and social engineering and, and, and family planning across the planet and things like that, you see. And you go back into the Huxleys and... Sir Thomas Huxley was Darwin's bulldog who took over eugenics, you see, and, and evolution, the theory of evolution, which went right off. There. It was really completely tied with eugenics from the beginning. Of course it was. So we're run by all these different managers' classes, managerial classes, who, who are intergenerational, and, and they boast about it quite, quite openly. And politicians, pretty well, are just picked uh, because they will uh, do what they're told. They're well rewarded. They're psychopathic to start with. They have no qualms about lying to the public or deceiving the public or even doing the dirty on the public at all. And But they're used by the ones at the top. They're all blackmailable to the ones below them in the politics, in the political sphere. And you saw that with Epstein. Epstein was part of a big, massive 
intelligence program. Of course he was. And, we, and of course, we even know who the guy above him, who funded it all, the kind of manager inside the States is too. We know this, folks. And you're supposed to just think that uh, Epstein is back to the original stories. He's just a horny guy. Well, sure. Yeah. No. Massive. And, and these, these honey traps are, are old, old techniques, well-funded. And the Maxwell family were into all that kind of stuff, even when they were in Britain. So it's an old, old technique. And politicians are, are favourite game for them because these are, if you want, if you've got big plans and you want uh, favours from politicians, it's much better to get these favours um, complied with, like offers you can't refuse by having a bit of blackmailable data on the different people involved. And not just them, but generals as well. Maybe another reason why some of the generals in America are a bit kind of hesitant to, to back Trump on anything. Not that, you know, Trump's a great hero in some ways, because I'm a bit like um, Ann Coulter in some ways. She, she, um, she's been quite vocal about the fact that this, this guy Trump doesn't seem to know what he's doing. No, he isn't. He can read his scripts when he's told to, but, I mean, he hasn't fulfilled, gone, tried to fulfill it. You remember what you ran on the first time? And folks were so sick of, of the, the, the corruption and politics at that time that, that he won with a landslide, you see. Now, all political parties always vow to help uh, some things that, they, that, that you must do if you want to get ahead at all, no matter what party is. But Trump himself did mention in his speech before, 2016, was it, leading up to it, he said that he would allow pharmacology of the pharmaceutical companies to skip a lot of tests and bring medicines to the people much faster to help the people, you see, things like that. And I, th- I thought, what's good? What's going on here? Why is this sudden skip? And also, of course, they, they managed to keep the same brand names for different drugs and put in fear, drugs, substitute drugs, uh, or, or ingredients into them. And they still maintain they would have the same response, but that didn't really happen, it's true. They, you got to get the original ingredients to make things really, really work. But anyway, he said, but the big thing was he was going to start bringing the troops home. The, the folk in America were sick of this ongoing war that happened. It started, as I say, with, with uh, the Desert Storm and then continued right through and then really got going on steroids with 2001, all the peanut group. Eh? And then continued through Obama after after Bush, uh, so much so that, that that Rumsfeld congratulated Obama for continuing the wars and, and the same list. <laughs> what can you say here? I mean, it's it's still going on yet, and the troops are still over there in northern Syria. The Syrian people, the horrors that they've been through, with proxy warriors going against them, all paid by the West and trained and, and funded by the West all these years. That's astonishing. Then the West working um, with with groups that are always marginalized across that those different countries across there. They used them against Iraq too, the Kurds. They used them against Iraq as well. They used them against Syria. And yet the, the group that they're using against Syria and funding and all the rest of it and armed is also a communist organization. 
So you really think they care about who they work with at the top? You better get your act together and say, who's running it inside the States right now? Think about it. Also, the followers to all this, you better start thinking about it too. Who's running you? Who's using you? And another thing too, just to cap it off before I go on to the topics here. If you look at some of the clips of the screaming at the Republican National Convention there, whatever it was called, they just had a, a couple of days ago there, and you, and you see these screaming people in their faces, some of the politicians and Rand Paul and different ones, and the, the threatening, and the screaming women are there too. These are not people who are there to negotiate anything. They're not even expecting answers. They wouldn't even listen for an answer to anything that they're screaming at the politicians. These are hostile, aggressive, almost murderous people. We understand that. No system. No system. When you bring out the nihilists and the atheists, and that's what they were called by the Revolutionary Party when it was called the World Revolutionary Party. When you unleash them on the public, they, they know that you can only use them for the initial d- destruction of everything that is. And then the, the elite themselves who run the system will get rid of them because you can't fix them. They're so far gone that when you start to bring in the, even the new system, like the communist system, uh, you, you couldn't uh, allow them to continue because now the God is shut up. And stop that behavior. And they can't because they're nihilists. They're damaged, heavily damaged. And when you see people who are screaming their heads off in utter rage, utter, utter rage, you can tell right off the bat that there's nothing going to, going to make, it, make them happy. Nothing. Supposing they had an overthrow of a system. Supposing they use guillotines. Like these, these guillotines that are so fond of parading in front of people's homes now. To, again, terrify mainly the public as opposed to the people uh, who live inside the houses. It's the general public they're after to terrify you. Remember, most psychological warfare is to terrify you into doing nothing. <laughs> huh? The supposing they actually used them, these, these guillotines, and they brought in their system. The first thing even the, the Soviets did, once, once they'd eliminate competition and everybody else wanted to eliminate, they, they, they then had to put across to the, who was up or left, the general population, that they wanted to dominate, right? We, we're good now, we're here to help you and, and take care of things. Well, then they had to get rid of those people who are doing the screaming. Because they know that no matter what kind of system they're under, such people, they're not happy within themselves to begin with. That's the problem. Huh? No system is going to make them happy. And so they would do the same with whatever system is there. And they'll scream against the rules and regulations, no matter who makes them. Because inside, they have no contentment at all. They're, they're, there's, there's nothing inside them that gives them peace. Remember, too, it's like suicide. Suicide is rage turned inwards. And when you see them screaming like that, they're murderous. That's rage turned outwards. It's the same thing. There's something wrong inside to start with. Something wrong. That, that, that generally they can't even verbalize really what the real problem is. But you look at society today. It's been under total war. I've mentioned before, people need purpose. 
often the purpose isn't verbalized at all. It's expected. It's like generations and generations right up until the 1960s. Folk folk just got married. You had the mating imperative there, as they say. People would bond through sex. They'd have children. And... That, beca- that that became that cemented the reason for being too gave you purpose. Whether you liked it or not, because there weren't always happy marriages naturally, but there was there was a, a a level of contentment there and purpose. There's no doubt about it. You take instincts. You see, we've, we've still got all the same instincts, even though they've been warped by interference. Oh, just have lots of sex and lots of partners, then you won't bond. Well, there's never been a time where children have sex early, as, as early as they do now. And, they, they, of course, they, limit, they want to eliminate even any barrier for that age amongst themselves, or even with other genders, they call it intergenerational sex now, not paedophilia. And, um, but there's never been a time when, when the youngsters have sex easy at school and continue it, lots and lots of partners. There's no taboo at all. But you go through life, the, the, the same instincts are still, and it's, they're not getting full, they can have lots of sex, but there's no bonding, you see. And most of them won't have children, at least not live children. And so the instincts are there, but they're not being fulfilled. Therefore, purpose is absent, you see. Purpose is, is absent. It's like going through the motions of something that has no purpose anymore. So it becomes meaningless eventually, and from the meaningless comes rage. It comes rage because they can't even verbalize what's wrong. They'll rage against anybody who says, well, here's the problem, <laughs> you know, because they, they think they're free because they're doing what they're doing. But they're not free at all. They're not free at all. And they don't know it. They're just full of rage. I remember even at one of the, uh, the anti-globalist rallies that they had, the big meetings where the globalists were all meeting for their, make their plans of using our tax money and taking the factories abroad. And one of them, did a, there was a clip out on television at the time back in the 90s, uh, late 90s, and he, he, one of, the, one of the, the people who was attending it, I don't know if he's a politician, he's a CEO of a corporation, he said, but look at them all down there, they're all pro-. He says, has anybody asked them what they want? And he did, he went down into the streets, and there's all the, the banners and so on, and and they're screaming and yelling and they're chanting their chants because they're always you always give them chants they chant that's what four lays good two lays bad is you know Orwell's Animal Farm and uh, they're given chants and and eventually they can't even, they don't even remember what they're chanting it's almost it's so, it's automatic with them when you've lost your personal identity that's what you do you're part of the mob getting used by somebody else you don't even know is using you. <laughs> But uh, he went down and he talked And he, he, he says, well, what is it you really are? And, and they, they couldn't finish a sentence They couldn't verbalize What was really wrong Because mostly they couldn't They didn't know They were just completely unhappy, unfulfilled, etc, etc They couldn't really say, Well, it's what I'm, I'm saying here you, you don't just stop Thousands of years of existence Maybe a million, who knows You don't just stop it by changing cultural values, by design, by those who rule you. <laughs> You've still got the same instincts on the go, and nothing is a substitute for those same instincts. Nothing is. 
And even mating, because mating isn't going to be some happy utopia either. There's always going to be arguments and all the rest of it in and, 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 and any relationships or marriages or whatever. But uh, but generally, the folk get through them and buy them, and, and there's more bonding goes on than disagreements and and, um, and children, of course. And look look at the mess with all the children. You you, you keep giving me these fake systems to try to like band aids as substitutes for for families, and and they create these big foster homes or other homes too that deal with wayward children who just are all screwed up because of single parent homes or folks on drugs or whatever. Total warfare has been going on, and the public don't know. They don't know. Yuri Bezmenov went through some of it. Other, others before him that came from the Soviet Union talked about similar things too, into the more detailed techniques that were used. But it's total war you're living in. And it wasn't all the Soviets that were doing it. There are plenty inside America <laughs> working. Hollywood did a great job, you know, on, on destroying the system and the family unit. But as I say, nothing, nothing really, nothing takes the place and fulfills the roles that are there. And society is so screwed up because if you've got a man and a woman and they get hitched, and they're already been brought up by watching TV. TV's not there to make you content with something. TV, even from the advertising, is make you discontent until you, they're supposed to want whatever they're showing you, <laughs> whatever product it is. But the entertainment is the same thing. It's, it's to make you dissatisfied with what you have. And so you got nothing but really soft porn soaked into everything. It used to be just be the soaps, but now it's soaked into everything, and it's always erotic porn and, and way beyond anything most folk will ever experience. So therefore, the fantasy sticks in their head. It's, it, it hypersexualizes them until they'll never be happy with their partners. And by the way, that goes for all the other types out there too. And whoever sex is, it's the same thing. You're chasing rainbows, literally, you know, because you can't get to the end of the rainbow. So when when basic basic forces and instincts are tampered with, you got masses of fallouts, and and eventually the folk can't verbalize anything. They'll make they make they all have their 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 affiliations and things they want to belong to. And, and they'll feel like they're traitors if they, if they start to admit how they really feel. But the fact is, there's a war on the go. Long-term war. You've got all the instincts looking for something, and that's what you can't verbalize what you're really looking for. Because it, but the instincts are there. And they're not being fulfilled. They can't be fulfilled. And it's used. These, this, is, this is used by those who rule the world. Believe you me, they understand all of this, the things I'm saying here. Now remember, once again, go into go cuttingthroughthematrix.com, buy the books and discs, or straight donations to help me tick along here to keep all my sites on the go. List the sites in case any of them go down, and hopefully I can keep going for longer. As we go through this, this is the most crucial time you'll, you'll probably experience in your lifetime for most of you. This is, this is history in the making, what you're living through here. It's overt warfare, very overt on society. Mass, I mean, complete. Uh, the media is, is, is so disgusting in its openness to, 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 to lie to you. It's just disgusting. 
where, where the media itself is complicit in labeling anybody with an opinion as a conspiracy theory. What, what disgusting behavior. Uh, uh, you, you know, it's a pity folk that will not remember this later on. They want to go back to listen to the media again. Eh? No one was listening to the media before COVID. They were, they were so disgusted and sick of it for years, especially after the the, the Levison inquiry in Britain, Lord Levison, where they, where they brought in the new laws and rules on journalism and so on, until it shut everybody up. And the same thing in Australia and in our countries too. All couldn't follow suit. It was just dead. And they kept giving you celebrities. This is news. No, that's not news. These are all fake people, celebrities, created by a machine. <laughs> the star-making machine. That's not news. Who cares, you know? But they're, they're, they're disgusting with, with their conformity of... of, of Destroying society, it really, is, it really, truly is. This is war on society, complete open warfare. So, go to currentrainmedias dot com, send a few bucks my way, hopefully, and I'll keep ticking along as we go through this war. And it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be pretty because, as I say, total psychological warfare is being used upon the public at the same time to terrify you. And that's the point of it. We've been through the, the, the disclosed information that came out of the SAGE programs in Britain and the behavioral insights teams and so on, the ones that nudge you and, and to, to conformity, including the, 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 what was put out by their, their group Psychological Warfare by the British establishment, which they published and told to the different media companies to intensify and even exaggerate the COVID idea because folk were not complying. So that it increased increase tension and anxiety in society. What disgusting behavior. Your tax money is paying for this to be so they can create anxiety amongst the public. They should all be tried for, for, for crimes against humanity here. I really mean that too, by the way. All of them in every country. And the big gangs are going to profit from it as well. This is open warfare on the public. So I'll send a few bucks my way. Hopefully I can keep going as we go through this war. Anyway, here's some articles here now. I have to touch on them because time's running away. I don't plan these talks and time does tend to fly, doesn't it? Now, let me see. I think there's one here. <laughs> an article about sad old Scotland. It's funny because I, I talked to a guy recently, a young guy who was thinking over to Scotland. He was descended from them, and uh, he's all eager and young. And I thought, you know, what a shame to tell him about the, the horror of it, what's happened to that country, not just just recently, but even before that. Depopulation in mainly rural and island council areas. This is a a study in Scotland, and. Uh, it goes through the different areas in Scotland and the communities are being destroyed pretty well by depopulation. Again, that's Agenda 21, get them off the land. But really, I always think back to the Highland Clearances. They've been, they've been depopulating Scotland for an awful long time and accelerating it after it lost its place for just breeding soldiers for the British Empire, which it did for a long time. They were awfully useful. And still are to an extent too, but uh, not as much as they used to be. 
and then go through the different age groups in Scotland as well. Because again, like every other country, the, young, the youngsters aren't having children, aren't getting hitched and having children. And so uh, the, the populations are, are dropping as well. But they're bringing in lots and lots of migrants to replace them all from different countries. Also this article, what is Gilead's role in the war on hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine? And it's, uh, Gilead, as you know, is the, is the one organization that Fauci promoted as, for its antiviral properties because they've been working with them and the, the U.S. taxpayer has been funding them for a long time through all these different tests and so on. But anyway, it says attacks on the drug have been continuous ever since Dr. Uh, Didier Raoult uh, used this quinine derivative to save the lives of COVID-19 patients last March, and that's true. Uh, that article is here by the link is here too, and it says the first attempt to discredit hydroxychloroquine was hastily compiled uh, Veterans Administration Hospital System study last April. It's true, they're all getting funding from the same sources, the ones that come out against it. After deep flaws in the VA study uh, were exposed, uh, Surges Fear, a different organization, came to the rescue in May with a 15,000 patient mega-study allegedly compiled from hospitals all over the world. And this strategy succeeded following its publication in The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine. All outpatient use of HCOQ was severely restricted in US, Australia and most of Europe. So they show you who's been bashing hydroxychloroquine, and they're all basically related back to the ones that fund the Gilead, <laughs> the one that's been promoted. <laughs> but that's the way things really work, isn't it? So I'll put these these articles up for those that want to read them. And then you've got um, UK lockdown was a monumental mistake and must not happen again. Boris Johnson, scientist, says, and it's um, it was published on Wednesday, August 26. And there's a bit of a video on it too for those that want to see. I'll put these links up. But says Mark Woolhouse said lockdown was a panic measure, uh, but admitted it was the only option at the time because we couldn't think of anything better to do. Us, that's quite a a, a very lame excuse, isn't it? Eh? It says, but it is a crude measure that takes no accounts of the risk levels to different individuals. The University of Edinburgh professor said, meaning that back in March, the nation was concentrating on schools when we should have been concentrating on care homes. Oh. So anyway, the professor of infectious disease epidemiology said that the government must now focus on increasing testing and striving to unlock society safely rather than restricting it further. Professor Woolhouse, OBE, member of the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Behaviours, an interesting group on behaviours, I say especially, and advises the government said lockdown was a panic move. So these part of the groups actually that give you all the propaganda that terrify you in the first place. Says, I never want to see national lockdown again. It was always a temporary measure. No, it wasn't. So I won't believe his excuse either. The professional liars who then come out to make excuses. But the fact is, uh, yeah, they admit that there was a monumental mistake. Not really. It was planned that way. They knew what they were doing, eh? <laughs> and in April, it was pretty well over, you know, that with the peak, as they called the peak. But uh, testing is, is so bogus with the testing measures that they're using anyways, you well know. 
I think some was a basketball team or some NFL team. I can't remember which team it was. Tested positive in the morning just recently, and they, went, they tested them again, and they were they were all negative by the by the evening. I guess they had games to play. Probably that's the that's what money does. But but it's so, such a bogus. All oh, the testing is so bogus and awful. It's just such a joke. And I, don't forget, got, it's not just to do with the, the disease is meant to bring in a whole new system of permanent vaccination tests and permanent vaccination records for apps and all the rest of it for your, for your whole life, for every generation from now on. You, you'll be a pincushion for big pharmacology to make billions of dollars off uh, if you live that long with it all. So, and again, what I mentioned two months ago is the experts now are putting, they're giving plasma for COVID-19 treatment. This is virologist welcomes therapy as great news while Harvard epidemiologist claims Trump's boast of 35% fatality reduction is inaccurate, he says. doesn't matter what Trump says, it makes no difference anyway, because their, their job is to hammer him, regardless of what you think of him. So convalescent plasma therapy is when the liquid portion of blood is taken from a recovered coronavirus patient, it says, and is transferred into a sick patient in hopes they will develop antibodies need to fight off the infection. Actually puts antibodies in, actually. But it works awfully well for most things, and it's not new at all. I'm surprised that it's long touched. Actually, we know, too, that they're already doing it from the beginning for the very, very wealthy and so they're getting their blood too from the from the Red Cross. Also, this article here is anti-mask group speaks out against Sudbury. This is in Canada. Health directives uh, that are big, as you well know, across the world. There, Germany and Britain and Canada uh, groups came out and against wearing the masks. You know, the, the suffocation masks that they give you, or you're told to get or wear. And everybody's really ticked off with it all because it's it's disgusting. It's, it's it doesn't work anyway. It's, it, and it, all the scientific evidence admits that too, right? So the online group has grown to include hundreds of people in the region. It says there, it says a new online group is advocating against public health directives surrounding use of face masks in public spaces. Recent weeks, the group Sudbury Ontario Freedom Keepers has swelled to include hundreds of members, and those listed as members of the group include people from Sudbury's healthcare sector, education system, and hospitality industry. So it says, while face masks are not currently mandatory, Sudbury Public Health and District has instructed that businesses have policies requiring masks or other face coverings, and they make efforts to ensure people wear them, including through uh, signage and verbal reminders. But the fact is, so you see, see these, these stores, it's always the big stores too, that, oh, you've got to wear a mask, you've got to wear a mask. It doesn't do anything, except make people sick. And even, even as I said before, that the CDC itself said in May that it doesn't stop you either contracting a disease, this particular disease, or giving it to someone else if you're wearing a mask. It doesn't. So Tina Jones is a founding member and administrator of the Facebook group and says the city's health directors to wear face masks well indoors and in public places is a violation of people's freedoms and so on. So there's folk coming out against it, sure, but that's only part of it. And you have to go a lot further with all the reality of this 
and what it's supposed to do. Global rally against COVID-19 safety measures comes to Parliament Hill. That's another one too. And it says online misinformation about pandemic safety measures are thriving. Experts say, you know these experts say, online misinformation about the pandemic, eh? So flouting public health guidance to wear masks in public areas, avoid large gatherings and practice physical distancing. Hundreds of demonstrators gathered on Parliament Hill started to protest pandemic safety measures. They say infringe on their personal rights, and they certainly do. Remember, this was all discussed right off the bat before, before actually in their, in their trials, you know, their event 201 and beforehand and the, the lockstep, that it might be harder to do it in the West, even in their fictional... Uh, talks that, 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 during their during their, their tests that they had. Their, so these are tests that they actually had um, for the big organisations that were to run it. If it ever happened in reality, they said that it wouldn't work so well as it would in China because in the West, you see, they've got these individual rights, and and that can be a problem for for governments to enforce things. So here you got it. You know how it's worded here: infringe on their personal rights. Yeah. The group behind the rally is part of a wider movement of people across the globe venting their frustrations over science, science-backed measures designed by computer. Remember the girl, the schoolgirl, whose daddy worked for the military-industrial complex who, put, who created a computer program for her to get her into a higher school, you know, or, or to college? Uh, and it came up with six feet, and, and not based on nothing. You know, six feet apart. Even though in some parts of Europe came down to three feet, right? so it's a different intelligence in that particular country. That, that obviously the, the viruses are got a different intelligence. There, you see, so they can manage it three feet. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with reality at all. So you'd be called conspiracy theorists, and that was all, by the way, in, in event two hundred one. They said they would call anybody who came out with any contradictory information conspiracy theorist, even if it was factual. A World at Risk annual report on global preparedness for health emergencies. These organizations were on the go before event 201, all related to the same groups, mind you. Getting you all ready for it. Remember the Bernays techniques? Create one or two organizations, or even one main one, and then get subsidiary ones with different names, but you're all this one big circle putting out the same information, so it appears like there are lots of specialists everywhere have the same idea to convince the public. So here's a world at risk, right? From the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. So Bernays, right? that's exactly out of his playbook. And uh, they, they come out too, and we extend our deep appreciation and thanks to the Director General of the World Health Organization and to the President World Bank Group, oh, for having co-convened, I'd say COVID-convened, uh, the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board, GPMB. Sounds very important, eh? Yeah. So they go into two, but the World Health Emergency Programs and Johns Hopkins University, all can all this all the same little clique, isn't it? Spread out under different guises, and they can't all be wrong. But really, it's all from the same sources, eh? There you go. And this article is from Scotland, I believe, and it says when you it says um. Gene Freeman is facing further questions over the decision to move patients from hospitals to care homes during the early stages of the pandemic amid claims the Scottish Nationalist Party ministers were deflecting responsibility on the issue. Well, socialism always does that. It passes the bucket. 
A leaked letter revealed the Health Secretary wrote to the National Health Service bosses in April urging them to free up hospital beds to ensure wards had sufficient capacity following a spike in COVID-19 cases. Hundreds of patients would be transferred to care homes where more than 2,000 residents would die during the pandemic without first being tested for the virus. Very much like New York, eh? And Como. Same kind of thing. That's what socialism does, though. You see, once you're at a certain age, I know you're just a problem. You know, you, you, you cost money to the system. And, and they could use that money, like Obama said, when he was talking about his, was it his grandmother, you know, when he ran for election. You know, that money could have been used for better purposes than keep my old granny going. Yet the eugenics in action, eh? For profit, mind you, for more profit. They've already got plenty of profit. But uh, they've got lots of profits for wars. I mean, they can always spend money for wars, so they're not short of cash. But they don't want you to treat the older folk. Just kill them off. That's eugenics. After all, now that we've got countries like Canada that gives them euthanasia, eh? why not just do it? Why not just prod them along to accepting it, for goodness sakes? Uh, individualism and rights. Oh, what a nuisance. So anyway, um, that's that's Scotland. Scotland's just a mess with its Scottish. <laughs> the joke is calling it Scottish National Party. It really is. I'm not kidding you. It's very much like Ireland. What what you know, the same kind of thing in Ireland too. Uh, and uh, it comes out of ruled by Southern Ireland, ruled by England or Northern Ireland, uh, or the whole of Ireland, really ruled by Britain for centuries, and then they start to get bits of independence in parts of it for a little while, for, for some years, and then eventually they give it all to Europe, the European Parliament. So they, they merge from, from being lorded over by England to being lorded over by this, this big communist organisation with its secret commissars at the top that run it all <laughs> in their worst state than ever before. And the National Health Service in Scotland is just the same because it, it was always a socialist party. And socialism is no borders, as you know. It's just communism. No borders. It's globalist. The globalists run it all, own it all. So why pretend that there's there's no reason to call it Scottish, just so they can tax you, you know, that's about it. And they use the money across the planet for reasons you'll never fathom. It's corrupt, totally corrupt. So anyway, there you go. They've been killing the old folk too. And in England, it says, National Health Service managers told care homes to put blanket do-not-resuscitate orders on all residents at the height of the COVID crisis report shows. It says, Professor Alison Leary, MBE, wrote the report which found that one in ten care home staff were told to change resuscitation orders from patient for patients, in some cases without consulting family members. First of all, that is socialism. So what the heck with the public, for goodness sake, you know. National Health Service managers told care homes to put a blanket on them. It says the Queen's Nursing Institute found one in ten care home staff were told to change resuscitation orders for patients. The Telegraph, that's the newspaper reports. In some cases, they didn't consult anybody of the family. And it says, the orders mean doctors will not attempt to restart a patient's heart with defibrillators or cardiopulmonary resuscitation, CPR, and will be allowed to die if it happens naturally. Professor Alison Leary, MB, expert, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, modelling at London, South Bank University, who wrote the report, said she was surprised to see so many people come forward about the do not resuscitate orders. This is the arrogance. They're surprised to see folk coming forward about that. She told the Telegraph 10% of the respondents raised an issue because they were either blanket decisions for whole populations or they were imposed without discussion with the care home or the family or the residents. And that is really worrying. Is it, is it worrying because it came forward? I'm quite sure the way it's written here. Uh, and she was surprised about it. The report comes after the Chief of the National Health Service April told hospitals and GP practices not to request the orders en masse, uh, banning the use of blanket forms. And it says that uh, National Health Service England wrote to staff to ban the forms after it was revealed that doctors in Wales had asked elderly patients to agree not to call the emergency services. I remember that. So there you have. And I remember it when it happened, when they, they did, they sent out forms to old folk, they had lists of who they are and so on, and uh, blanket, blanket forms out across certain areas, probably through the post. Uh, telling folk at certain ages not to call emergency services if they were ill, to stay home and pretty well die. That was it. And then the ones in the hospital were told that the staff don't resuscitate these people. But that, they've had that for such a long time. I did talks this years ago where you take your life in your hands in the hospital, honestly, in Britain, because they're, they're rather cavalier with their do not resuscitate orders. And, they, and for years they didn't tell the, the relatives what they were up to with, with their little coding they'd have at the end of the bed and so on. It, it, oh, you know, everything's so corrupt today, so corrupt and deceptive, isn't it? For the very folk who pay for it all, uh, you know, they get no truth at all coming out of these organisations. Just disgusting. But that's socialism for you, isn't it? And socialism is just a more perfected form of capitalism where you obey and you do what you're told and it works awfully well for those who rule you. <laughs> That's really what it is. Now, coronavirus conspiracy marches are held across Europe and Berlin. Police break up 18,000 marchers for failing to socially, I guess they meant distance, don't have the distance there, they missed it. I guess he got wiped out off with a disease of some kind like COVID. Well, droves of anti-maskers stormed Paris and Copenhagen. And uh, Berlin police broke up protests for failing to wear the masks. And the demonstrators who were calling for an end to coronavirus restrictions flooded into the square in front of Brandenburg Gate before marching down a main street. They blew whistles and brandished placards declaring Merkel must go and stop the criminal lies as they call for a return to pre-locked down life. And so they should, quite right. They're joined by hundreds of throngs in the streets in London, actually more than hundreds actually, where they declared coronavirus was a hoax invented to establish a new world order. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. And 200 more in Paris held an anti-mask rally alongside hundreds more in Berlin. And angry march comes as Europe prepares for enforced lockdown restrictions to avoid a second wave. There <laughs> you go, second wave. As the numbers of cases recorded kicks up, well, the more tests you do, the more they get positive, even though they're fake. It makes no difference. Eh? It's very important that we all go, go under. Because the, the elite have, have, have backed everything on this. They've put everything they've got on this, this big con. Eh? Can you imagine what's going to happen if it all falls flat? They, they can't back off now. They've got to go the whole way with you. They've got to, and they will, if you let them. 
another one too is I was going through the old uh, silent weapons for quiet wars, and in there too it's awfully interesting as well. Whoever who cares who wrote it, <laughs> this is this is a good read. It's a good read, and we do have uh, you know quiet wars and so on and silent weapons in place. You get lots of lasers now. There, you wouldn't believe the, the abilities that they have from satellites to zap places and blow places up on Earth. And you might even be getting some examples recently too. Uh, but uh, it does go into to, to different bio-warfare techniques, etc. And how to manage society through it all, too. It's interesting stuff. You know. Most of these kind of things come out of different people who've been involved in think tanks and preparing uh, things for the big boys at the top to work on. How, techniques, in other words. Eh? Now, France makes masks mandatory everywhere in Paris from Friday. Uh, interesting too that whole thing with the yellow vest. It's another color revolution. They go on and on and on, and you had you, you had the same groups Antifa, some over there actually from from North America working over there too, and vice versa. They travel all over the place. The founders actually went through their techniques before long ago, years ago, in Antifa. And they even put themselves up for hire, you know, at one point too, and for training uh, revolutionaries in different countries. You could fund, you could pay for them to come over and train you. But we know who everybody is. It's the same with those that fund them. We know who they all are too. How come no one's getting arrested? You ever thought about that? Eh? Under the, as I say, under the anti-terrorism laws, if you fund a terrorism, you're you're put down as a terrorist. And insurrection is part of it too, and you're you're charged. Well, how come they, all the big corporations can fund them and nothing happens? It, some it's telling you a lot about the system, a system you never thought existed. It's different from the one you did think existed when they can fund them, huh? It's <laughs> quite something, and it is quite something, isn't it? You're always learning. And it's good to have these little puzzles to figure out because that's how you do learn, is working it out for yourself by using the, the data. So anyway, there's, there's France going to, it says the measure applies to all pedestrians as well as cyclists in Paris. I guess the cyclists can suffocate faster. And it's suburbs in an area that includes three neighbouring departments that form the Petit uh, Courant uh, inner ring around Paris, a densely populated area with a total population of nearly 7 million people. But motorists will, will not have to wear a mask inside their car. Isn't that nice? Eh? Isn't that awfully nice? The deterioration of the health situation has led the prefect to take the strong measures in the interest of the population, the Paris police prefecture said in a statement. Earlier on Thursday, Prime Minister Jean Castet said the government would order the mandatory wearing of masks across Paris, but he did not give a deadline or specify the area. The virus is spreading all over the country. The spread of the epidemic could become exponential if we don't react quickly, he said. I guess he must have probably waved his hands a lot when he said it to make it more like Bill Gates fashion, you know, make you excited and afraid. Oh, they've got these again, fictitious thing. The reproduction R number of infections in France has risen to 1.4, Castex said, meaning that every 10 people with the virus will infect another 14. See how they work it out, eh? That's what they do in America and Canada too. For every person that comes up positive with that stupid test, that, that, that swab test, which is completely bogus, right? they add about 15 on it in America. Here in France, they add 14. It's just all fictitious, a computer model. Right? 
<laughs> nothing to do with reality. And it doesn't mean anybody's sick about it either, by the way. Uh, pandemics, the need for new thinking on security. And early warning was vital to meet an unprecedented global pandemic as COVID-19 emerged in China began its lethal spread, but there are many signs that traditional warning mechanisms did not function as expected in this situation. Media reports indicate the Canadian Global Public Health Intelligence Network, GFIN, they should call it GOFIN, a critical early warning system run by the Public Health Agency of Canada meant to serve an international clientele, including the World Health Organization, effectively went dark in May 2019, seven months before a pandemic alert system would be needed most. International understanding of the potential severity of the pandemic was further hampered by early problems in reporting on the outbreak from China. (sighs) Sounds such a, oh my God, I'm breathless already reading this stuff. It's just amazing stuff, eh? It went dark, eh? Oh. The need for new thinking on security. How to terrify the public. And then um, this article here is... um, Western Australia is beefing up its hardline approach even more by preparing new rules around the electronic monitoring of people in quarantine. So again, a fast-track law has been given to the Western Australian Police Department. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, legal experts have raised the concerns about parts of the extraordinary laws, and some residents are frustrated about a perceived lack of transparency. <laughs> sure. Few people would realise under fast track changes to laws in the early days of the pandemic, Western Australia police have the power to make every person in quarantine wear an electronic monitoring bracelet. Well, I think it's time to, maybe it's time to overthrow your systems, folks. Eh? If it's coming down the pipe like that, eh? What do you think? It's not there to serve you, is it? Electronic guide? Like, so, so technology is the master of us all right now? I don't think so, no. Or those who own technology and profit? No, no, no way. Last week, Western Australia Premier Mark McGowan said he would like to see potential criminals entering the state being forced to wear their bracelets. So if, if you come into the state, you know what I mean? So if we think someone is a flight risk or a potential criminal, if we think there is, that's, that's, a good, that's good law. If we think someone or a formal criminal, well, they're the sorts of people they would go on, I mean, their bracelets. And borders save lives, the case for hardline stance. Oh, how many folk have died with it? Hmm? Will you tell us that? Will you tell us that, folks? Who, actually, not, not who tested positive with it, with their dying of other things. How many folk actually died of it, off it? Hmm? You won't get that answer anywhere. Immunizing the public against misinformation, August 2020, eh? Isn't that... Here you go with that disinformation. We're not just battling the virus, said the WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. This is the real communist state. He was a terrorist, actually, in his old country. Blood a terrorist organization. You really trust this guy. That's why they picked him up. He's not a doctor either, by the way. We're also battling the trolls and conspiracy theorists that push misinformation and undermine outbreak response. 
proliferating misinformation, even when the context is, in a best-case scenario, harmless, can have serious and even social lethal health ramifications in the context of a global pandemic. In some countries, rumours about impending food scarcity prompted people to stockpile supplies early, like the government does, eh? just like north of me, early on in the epidemic and caused actual shortages in the United States of America. So there you go. I mean, this this you tell me disinformation by a guy a a, a a fool. This guy's a crook. This guy's a crook, folks. That's why he's put there. You know. That's why he's put there. He's not a, a he's not a doctor. He's not trained in medicine or anything. But he did definitely. He 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 actually. This isn't. This isn't. I'm a, I'll, I'll make a link up about him later. But and you'll see a little clip when he belonged to the terrorist organization in his home country. That's so awful. And again, the WHO is just a subsidiary now of Bill Gates, who does a tremendous funding to it. So they're all totally compromised people. Columbia Journalism Review explains how the Gates Foundation manipulates the media narrative. Most of the feature stories published by the Columbia Journalism Review, mostly digital biannual magazine, published and edited by the Columbia School of Journalism and its staff is uh, sanctimonious media navel-gazing, filtered through a lens of crypto-Marxist propaganda written by a seemingly endless procession of washed-up magazine writers. Does that say it, right? How the Gates Foundation manipulates the media narrative. But every once in a while, just like the NYT, Washington Post and CNN, even CJR gets it mostly right. And unfortunately for us, one of those days arrived earlier this month when the website published this insightful piece outlining the influence of the Gates Foundation on the media that covers it. And so they go into this here. It says, uh, last August, NPR profiled a Harvard-led experiment to help low-income families find housing in wealthier neighborhoods, giving their children access to better schools and an opportunity to break the cycle of poverty. According to researchers cited in the article, these children could see $183,000 greater earnings over their lifetimes, a striking forecast for a housing program still in its experimental stage. I guess it all worked out through computers, eh? If you squint as you read the story, you'll notice that every quoted expert is connected to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which helps fund the project. And if you're really paying attention, you'll also see the editor's note at the end of the story, which reveals that the NPR itself receives funding from Gates. <laughs> That's so, it's just astonishing. Everything about Gates is put out by Gates through different organizations that he funds and owns. Uh, really is some, isn't it? Everywhere you look, you know, lift a stone and there's gates. And If you cut a little bark off a tree, you look in, there's, there's a gate. Everywhere you look, there's Bill Gates. Eh? And see, in the companies, drug companies, there's Bill Gates. And vice there's Bill Gates and, and, and Fauci. And, oh, same, just astonishing that, isn't it? It's kind of like Gnosticism. Lift a stone and there you'll find me. Uh, there they are. This is the one that the NFL, it was mentioned there. The NFL has cleared all individuals who tested positive over the weekend for the coronavirus. After what it's testing, a partner called an isolated contamination <laughs> during test preparation. Of the original test results have been classified as false positives. I guess it's okay to say it for them, but for everybody else, you know, you, you can't say that's conspiracy theories, you know, theories. Eleven teams were affected by the mistake. See, it's a mistake. With sources telling ESPN that 77 individuals had tested positive. 
leading to some anxious moments and altered Sunday practice schedules, but ultimately no evidence of an outbreak. Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen was among those whose initial test resulted in a false positive, forcing him to miss the team's Sunday practice, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. According to the source, the NFL retested the original 77 samples, all of which had been processed at the same bioreference lab in New Jersey. All of the retests came back negative. The league also conducted quicker point-of-care tests Sunday, and all of those tests also were negative. So you got a happy ending for the for the players, you see. Now, if they'd been in the general population, you'd have been confined to your house for a couple of weeks, probably, and, and persecuted by cops if you try to venture out and stuff like that. Maybe you couldn't, couldn't get to work and, and, and you'd suffer financially and stuff like that. But it's okay if you're in a sports team. There you go. So prayer does work, you know, when it's backed up with, you know, wads of cash. This one here, also, this is a different one again. Uh, the Queen's Nursing Institute has published a major new report on the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on UK's nursing and residential homes. And it's the same kind of stuff you know, over and over again, you know. Over and over again. Remember, remember too, when they were denied other care, that there are treatments for this kind of thing, even for the flu for viruses and other coronaviruses too. There are treatments, folks, without sticking uh, ventilator uh, tubes down your trachea. And they found two with other tests, and I've read them here, uh, probably called conspiracy theories, even though they came from legitimate health sites, that where, where, where doctors said that they, they had better results uh, treating the people just with standard uh, oxygen therapy, uh, where they're not forcing it, like, like under pressure down their lungs. And, uh, and they had far better results in the recovery. But again, that kind of news is not welcome. When you have a big agenda at play, Dr. Fauci stumps President Trump and reinstates Grant with company connected to the China coronavirus after Trump demanded an end to the contract in April. It's true that Fauci is so compromised into this thing, up to his neck in it. But anyway, it says it was announced in a press release that the non profit firm EcoHealth Alliance had been awarded a grant of $7.5 million by the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, which is run by Dr. Fauci. So Trump, uh, uh, his administration, cut off funding for the project studying how coronaviruses spread from bats to people after reports linked the work to the lab in Wuhan, China. So I'll put that one up too. And this one here is uh, a link to YouTube for, you see someone who you don't guess what they get for having a walk in Melbourne in Australia. And how I think four cops come to this woman's door, four, like three, three or four cop cars do, to if I ask why she'd been out for a walk. So cameras everywhere watching them, and, and you can actually hear her saying that, that she didn't have a cell phone with her, and else, blah, 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 blah. And they wouldn't tell her how they'd, how, how they'd found out she'd been out at all. I'm sure just like the Stasi, because you see the tracer things and all the rest of it, the cops are just the new Stasi system. That's what it is, folks. In Portland last night, on Saturday night, uh, a guy from the, the Patriot Prayer Group, I don't know who they are, uh, were part of the, the, the pro-Trump support, apparently, going through Portland in Oregon. And uh, the assassination has now started, the tit-for-tat kind of thing. Now they've got killings on, a, on the go, and um, more openly, that is. And uh, so you'll find this. This is standard communist technique as well. 
when they tried to get uh, revolutions going in Russia, but from 50, 60, 70 years beforehand, they had uh, their assassinations going on all the time, kind of hit-and-run techniques with the, the intent of having a massive backlash, and then, then you'd hope to get support to go against the system then with the support you'd gather as the system became heavy-handed. That's the idea behind it. And this is even in the, in the, the kind of comedy, it was called Fight Club, where they show you a scene in it where they try to goad passers-by into, by attacking them, phys- well, you know, verbally and so on, just like you're seeing in the streets for the last few weeks in Portland and elsewhere, and to get people, people to actually physically react. And they said the hardest thing in the comedy was to get people to actually physically retaliate. Well, once you get it going, of course, it can escalate, and that's what they want at the moment. This is all obviously staged and planned for those who haven't figured it out. And I've mentioned it before that Trump is guaranteed to get in by the goings-on here. So you couldn't plan it any better, really. And then that's going to have the, the civil war going, which is really planned. And it's, it's to bring it out in a new system afterwards where the elites who fund it all, the, the ultra-ultra elite of the planet, who own the big corporations and so on, and they own the international money system and the banks, they fund it all, and they'll be ruling it with a new system that's more efficient for them, uh, we call technocracy. Um, there's another article, too. We witnessed the Kenosha shootings. Here's what really happened. This article goes into what they saw by people who were there, by the way, and about the shooting, etc., and then you find out too, another, from another article here, it says anarchy broke out in the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, they mentioned the ones who got shot and the fact they'd all heard records, by the way. And, uh, and it's interesting to see who they actually they were too, quite interesting indeed. These, these, these people who are leading some of the riots and... Um, and they're very aggressive people at the same time. And one of them had a gun as well, who fired them off. And I'm sure, too, I, uh, you actually see someone running across the guy who was shot, picking something up and running away. So they, they've actually worked it out that if someone gets shot, too, to get the, the, the weapon away from them. Uh, so that they'll say it was an innocent shooting, you know, even though they may be shot first. Another article, how to survive when you're the target of an angry mob, it says here. And it's, it's a little article because yeah, you, if you get a mob like that, you can see them coming get, going after the Republican convention where they're coming out. This old folk too, and these folk are ready to they're ready to tear them apart, literally physically tear them apart. And I think it was Rand Paul said that it wasn't for the Secret Service around them, they, his, he would have been destroyed. His life was his life was saved by them. He says so. He knew what was going to happen. This is uh, this is not democracy of any kind. Uh, and they're guaranteeing that Trump's going to get Putin. It's guaranteed, folks. So I think what's guaranteed is, is a massive uh, riot, uh, ongoing, over, trying to, a, a potential overthrow of the total governmental system that Trump gets. And I think that's what they want. And who knows if they're both, both sides are at the top are really playing it. Seems that way to me. And this article here, too, is... Um yeah, the young guy who, who, who was at the, the center of the shooting in Kenosha uh, was 17 years old. He, he, he went there, he lived 20 miles away, 
and they went there to protect business owners and citizens being victimized or being abandoned by their state government and police. This, this is how it's worded here, and think about it. It says, footage obtained by anti-extremism watchdog Antifa Watch shows the first shooting. In the video, a masked man named Joseph D. Rosenbaum is shown chasing Rittenhouse and throwing what some have claimed may have been an improvised explosive. But it's not been confirmed. Rittenhouse then shot Rosenbaum in the head as he charged and tried to take his rifle. And you actually see a bit of scuffle in some of these, these videos and try and get it off the rifle away from him. And there's actually an earlier video too of Rosenbaum getting in the faces of people. Really aggressive character. And uh, yeah, I actually see it. this has got links to this article here. I might put it up. And after Rosenbaum was shot, a mob of anarchists pursued Rittenhouse as he attempted to flee. The young man then felt the ground as the Antifa members began attacking him. Rittenhouse opened fire against two of the attackers, one who was armed with a handgun. One member of the gang, Anthony B. Hubert, died after being shot in the chest. The armed assailant, jo- uh, Craig Paul uh, Grosskreutz, uh, suffered a gruesome um, gunshot wound to the arm but survived. The media jumped in the action. He painted Rittenhouse as a white supremacist, domestic terrorist, and anarchists who were shot as innocent, peaceful protesters. But the facts bring this narrative into question. According to the public records, Joseph Jojo Rosenbaum has a long history of violence and also committing acts of uh, sexual misconduct with children, a child. He's a level three offender, high risk. And then uh, Rosenbaum spent 12 and a half years in prison after being convicted of two counts of third degree sexual misconduct, yes, minors, and one count of interfering with a monitoring device. So they, for a class 3 felony, the, the victim must be under 15. And more telling, in Rosenbaum was 42 separate disciplinary infractions while incarcerated, including numerous assaults, committing sex acts and stalking. I don't know he was stalking in prison. Manufacturing a weapon and arson. Oh, it's perfect for the job, though. And according to records from Wisconsin Circuit, what Rosenbaum had pending charges for battery as domestic abuse filed just last month. And Huber, that was killed, I think, uh, as says, was in fact a violent criminal with a history of abusing his loved ones. He pled guilty in 2012 to false imprisonment of a dangerous weapon and strangulation as domestic abuse appears to have validated the terms of his probation in 2016 and sentenced to two years in state prison, most of it with time served. He was arrested again in 2018 for battery. And Craig P. Grosskreutz, the the pistol-wielding anarchist in his 40s who was shot in the arm while attacking a teenage Rittenhouse was charged with felony burglary and theft in 2013. He'd valued his probation just four months later and has another arrest from 2017. According to media, a media puff piece says, uh, Grosskreutz was a professional activist with Milwaukee-based People's Revolution, a more extreme breakaway from the, the Black Lives Matter NGO. Anyway, it's ongoing, but uh, you can see how it's been portrayed here as the, the abandonment by police and authority 
uh, of the for the general public that's been abandoned, and the young guys like this will <laughs> just go and take it into their own hands, thinking they're doing the right thing. And it's true enough, remember, some of the, the police chiefs in some of these areas that have been under the attack for a while just said to the public, you're on your own, didn't they? Quite something, folks. Another one, too, another reporter, a gun pulled on him during the Kenosha riot credits, God for being alive. You actually see a photograph of this guy <laughs> pointing the gun at his head. You see, I, don't, I didn't think he pointed the gun at me to try to kill me. I think he was one of the stupidest people in the world. Well, just touch and go when it happens, eh? As Elijah Schaefer told Fox News Tuesday, thank God for being alive. Because the guy did it. And the guy who literally, uh, who had the gun at him, uh, pointed the gun at him and says, this is what he's going to do to the cops, is what he said. Um, he, had the, he had the mask down, so he could, the camera was actually watching his face. So you've got it all. So he was one of the stupidest people he's seen. And crime spikes as Soros-funded DAs take charge. They're not progressive. They're rogue, it says. The district attorney is, eh? it's, it's amazing how for Soros is his hands and everything. <laughs> Just like, it's a small coterie with, with the Gates and the Fauci's and the same people over and over again, isn't it really? Eh? Think about it, folks. It really is. And uh, supposedly the Soros had been putting money into different states, U.S. states and parts of the and cities and so on to get district attorneys in, and this article goes through some of this and the names of the people and so on. It says, um, for instance, Miss Garner's office, Miss Garner is one of them in St. Louis, I think it was it. I'm not quite sure. But it says her 2016 campaign received more than $190,000 from PACs, to which Mr. Soros is a sole principal contributor. His PAC's PACs have poured at least 116,000 into a re-election this year. And then goes one after the other here. Mm-hmm. Hey. Well, do, do you really have to go and start consulting Ouija boards to find out who's behind lots of things? I mean, their names are out there. The folk who fund it are out there. They're listed in, in mainstream media who, who the fund, funders are. Uh, come on, folks. Hey? Another article, too, is Woke Capitalism, How Huge Corporations Demonstrate Status by Endorsing Political Radicalism. It's not a bad article, too. And it goes into the the corporations and the media in lockstep with uh, this big, big movement that's on the go right now called Woke Capitalism. And how they're they're in there to make money (laughs) by using cultural leftism. Hmm. And it says, what is wokeness? Understanding the critical theory and the Frankfurt School. I've done uh, stories in, on the critical theory before. Critical theory itself. I teach all three universities and colleges. And, and it really does away with traditional history of any kind or even reality of any kind. And, of course, the Frankfurt School was behind so much of it to right down to the, the creation of new language for the public to disable your enemy from attacking you or even, even defending themselves because you take away the language, the, the, you forbid the language, you make it illegal for them to use the language they must use to defend themselves. <laughs> That's the end of any debate, right? But remember, too, some of the people at the Frankfurt School said that they wouldn't be happy until, uh, I think it was Adorno, Theodorno said that, until they completely, utterly destroyed the culture and the systems of the West. 
uh, right down to, to, to destruction, the family unit and, and the children and everybody else in it, right down to, they said, even um, necrophilia. And even then they wouldn't be happy to there was nothing ever left of the Western society. Yep, it's quite ambition. That's an ambition for you, isn't it? But I'll put these links up for, for some other things to do with YouTubes and so on as well. And there's a few, a, a few, I think, maybe two or three to look at anyway, plus that pandemic was awfully good, must admit. But what I've seen it so far anyway. And uh, <laughs> uh, what can you say, folks? What can you say when, you, when you're living through this massive deception? Like, the plan- I've never seen such deception on the planet as we're seeing right now. Never, even in times of, of major wars. It's everybody who, who has anything to do with your reality and your information is all on board with this complete agenda. Isn't that something? Isn't it something? Gaslighting folk all the time when, when you use the articles they printed a month ago and now they'll deny that they even printed them. Yeah. When you use them. <laughs> it, it's, it's quite fascinating to live through it actually and see it, isn't it? Now I'm also going to put in an article from the Irish Sentinel by Helena Handbasket. You know, you know where that goes, don't you? And it's an interesting one because it's about uh, the Irish Minister for Health, the politician who's appointed to oversee the health. And it says Stephen Donnelly needs to be locked up for treason because he wants to lock the country down again, you see. And from the Irish Times, they give you an, a little bit of the Irish Times that mentions... Uh, that uh, there are very few folk in the hospital right now. It says, uh, at the moment, there's six people in the ICU, 22 people in the hospital with COVID-19. During the height of uh, COVID back in March, there were 1,100 people in hospital with 120 in the ICU. So uh, this uh, particular Irish minister wants to lock them down, and how anything is happening, of course. But So they give you some of the career path of Donnelly and how he started off in University of Dub- College Dublin and had a degree in mechanical engineering, worked and studied in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. That's a giveaway there too, by the way. That's where they pick them up and use them later on. But then he moved to London where he worked as a management consultant with McKinsey and Company and he got a master's degree in public administration and international development at Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Then he returned to work for McKinsey and Company in Dublin before deciding to run for office in 2011. But here's the whole point of it. It says, um, the most interesting perhaps is is two spells with McKinsey and Company that he worked in. First in, in London from 2000 and then again in Dublin from 2008 to 2011 when he decided to get into politics having no experience. Of that dirty business I don't think so I think these guys are so dirty They don't notice the dirt He also studied at Harvard Kennedy School of Government It says Gates Bill Gates Right Just happened Wherever he turned the stones There's Bill Gates eh? So Gates spent more than 300 million dollars On McKinsey And BCG alone Between 2006 and 2007 think the guys may be still working For, for Bill Gates perhaps eh? Huh so wherever you look, it's the same small coterie of people, you know, running everything to do with every country. 
And of course, that's real technocracy. Take over the, the, the financial supply of the world. They, Bill Gates isn't the boss. There's people way above him. And Bill Gates is more of a front man, like, like lots of the other ones they give you as the superstars. And, um, but there he is again, you know, giving big $300 million on McKinsey and BCG alone between 2006 and 2017. <laughs> so you get these, these politicians who, who, who never, who have never given an offer that they want to refuse if it's, if it'll personally benefit them in their pockets. That's how, that, this is a problem with society. It's so incredibly corrupt. And in every country is the same. You can find them in every single country. They have no problems accepting help, help, you know, from outside sources, you know, in their lifestyles and all the rest of it. That's how the world really is run. And it doesn't matter what system you bring in, it ends up being the same way again, over and over again. You know, that's how it is. So you know, I'll put these links up, and there's, there's another article too from Helena Handbasket from the Irish Sentinel, and you can enjoy that and have a chuckle at the same time, perhaps. Remember, folks, before I sign off, send a few bucks to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, and you'll see how to do it if you go into the website, and uh, that'll help me tick along. Remember, too, to tune in to Neil Foster, Reality Bites Radio, because I'll be on it on Wednesday, 2nd September, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And we'll have a good chat there about uh, the state of the world and the meaning of life and the universe and all of that stuff. <laughs> because uh, we certainly are asking all the big questions now when you're living through the, one of the biggest changes in society and history uh, planned for years and years by big think tanks and meticulously uh, worked out as to where it's supposed to all go with all the, the proper players in place and all those who fund it in place and, uh, and, and years of training for some of the leaders, in fact, to participate in it all. So you're living through amazing history. So again, tune into Reality Bites Radio, Wednesday, 2nd September, 1 p.m. Eastern. Remember, folks, don't just give in. You're living through an evil time. This is a big war, and evil has a powerful sway in this planet. And, but you, you just don't crumble to it and give in because um, they're, they're, you have an antidote to evil. You really do. But you must also take a stance. It's always the same thing. You take a stance against evil or it runs over you. And it isn't just for what's been and what is and what's to come. Uh, the very fact you're here today is because someone stood up before you before you came along. Evil is a tremendous evil bully. It's a bully, massive bully, destructive bully, a screaming child that's spoiled rotten, who's actually mentally unstable, that doesn't know what it wants, because it can't verbalize. So it must project its problems on everybody else around them and blame everybody else for it. That's what it is. The last place a person wants to look at when everything goes wrong with their lives, especially when it's repetitive behavior as themselves. I really mean that. Now the system we're in is corrupt anyway. It's completely corrupt. It's been corrupt for as long as I can remember and getting worse all the time. And as they go into this, this ultra-capitalistic uh, corporative agenda, 
where they want to, to rule us through technocracy, meaning, in other words, they want to do away with any rights for you at all. Just do what you're told. They've, they've decided to bring in a, a communistic system for the general population, while they, they at the top are untouched by it all. I mentioned the same story 20-odd year, years ago, and it hasn't changed. So you've got to stand up against it, because it's utterly evil. And it won't stop. If you, if you allow it to continue, it won't stop. It'll get worse and worse and worse. And you don't want to see horror coming down the pike. And you can't stand by either and watch the health organizations killing old folk. Do you understand? When you're seeing folk being killed, that's you they're killing. Because one day you're going to be there. And they'll start off with the older folk and they start bringing it down and down and down. What you think? And these countries, like Canada, already have euthanasia. All, all credibility uh, of being there to help the people went out the window as soon as they started that. Absolutely. They'll never recover from that. Never. And the profit motive in, in healthcare is not supposed to be the same as any other branch of business. Not at all. Not like it is today. It's utterly corrupt. And that's, that is a system that, that, again, was based in the U.S. that spread out everywhere else, too. The system, a lot of the hospitals in Canada are, are partly owned by American companies, some of them wholly. So remember, folks, as I say, don't give in and don't give up. I hope you're still keeping in touch with other people around you. A few, don't get many, just a few, and try to make sure they're real people. And you place to help each other out down the pike because things will get worse before they get better. It's planned that way. As I say, this system with the COVID, they can't back off now. They've gone so far. This is like the big gang that runs the world all colluding together for the next step of the world order. And they can't just back off now because you'd have to, you'd have no option but to get, bring in a real, a real functional system that is run by you. And you'd have to arrest them all for what they've done so far. You really would. And they know it. <laughs> you know it. These are the same people who've, taught, who've brought you off to wars for years and years and profited from it too. They run everything. Same big corporations. They have their hand in all kinds of things, including pharmacology or vaccine making. Massive corporations. And they know they can't back off. So take care of yourselves. Keep in touch with me because I do read the emails, even if I can't get back to everybody all, all the time, because it's so much is overwhelming. For most, one person has got a hard job keeping up. I don't believe you me doing all that I do, and uh, but I do read them because I get a sense of people. And it's, it's, it's so important because you get inside people's lives to experience what they're experiencing. It's, it's, they're real human These are beings, human beings. If, if you're just prattling news, it's desensitizing you from people. And that's the problem with today's technology. Most folk literally uh, are just uh, texting and all that, but they have no real contact with people. But and even when they do have contact, they're not being honest about things. You've got to be honest with yourself. And everyone matters because what you experience is real history and as it happens. Forget the books. You're living it right now. So I thank everybody who keeps in touch with me. I like to be part of their lives too.
So from myself, Alan Watchman, Ontario, Canada, don't give up. Evil gets conquered, remember. Always does. It's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.